Because in order to understand where this energy was coming from, you have to be interested in things beyond your solar system. When I understood that Alcyon is really our central sun, and that is what feeds our entire solar system, that is where this energy is emitting from now. The feeling that a mirror has a, a spirit. That is where this energy is emitting from now. A spirit. And we're about this far away from the shift taking place. up against you know this rock behind me and the only thing separating me from it was the dry brush that was between us so after i finished water and what grapes i was having i put them back in my bag i was listening to music through my ear pods and um, my phone's always in my back pocket well the music stopped and about the same time there was a it felt like like the sun was moving at such a spot that the, the, the shadow was visible with your naked eye. So from where I was sitting, it felt like it was kind of coming from behind me. And then at the same time, almost like there was a shadow canopy coming over me. Well, all this is happening while I'm trying to get my phone out of my back pocket. And when I sit up to look at it, there's no power on my phone anymore. I was just listening to music, power's off. And when I'm looking at this, I can feel a breeze coming from behind me. When I turn around to find out where that's coming from, there's a hole now where I was backed up. And I stood up to take it all in. This thing had to be, I'm six feet tall. In its round opening, it was at least a foot taller than I was. It looked as though it was Welcome back to Rising from the Ashes. Today we are diving deep into Mount Shasta. That's right, we are entering Mount Shasta with our friend Lowell Johnson. He has had some encounters, and if you know a thing or two about some of the folklore behind Mount Shasta, you will find this story rather intriguing. Dan and myself are both living in the state of California. And when you live 
here in this state, you hear so much about Mount Shasta. It's it's beyond belief. The um, the reoccurring stories of giants and Lemurians and the permeating energy that comes off of Mount Shasta is it being one of the major chakra points and energy vortexes of the earth. And so there has to be a reason why these stories constantly corroborate and collaborate and create and why people have experiences there and why people are seemingly drawn there. It's rather interesting. And so today we are going to get into that. We brought on our good friend Indy Sage as a co-host for this episode as he was familiar with Lowell Johnson's work. I'm going to keep this intro rather short. We don't have a news segment today with another um, field researcher or guest, so I'm going to just read from Lowell's blog on his website so you can get a bit more um, information as to who he is before we start the start the interview. But of course, I would love to invite you guys over to Telegram. That would be amazing if you guys came to Telegram. Well, why? Let's see. The many reasons as to why. It is a social media platform. And it's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's like a group messaging platform where we get to have awesome deep conversations with anybody who's on the group message. We can share books, movies, videos, songs. The link sharing capability of this uh, platform is really good. And that's something for me, even when I'm messaging good friends of mine, like, hey, I can't send you a video via SMS. Like, do you have Telegram? I could send you a fully high def video in a matter of minutes, things like that. So when it comes to messaging, um, I, I prefer Telegram and we are on there at Rising from the Ashes. The link is in the show notes. I want to shout out to everybody on the Telegram. Thank you guys so much. Also, I, I need to give a long overdue shout out to our Patreon members. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, it means so much that you guys are helping to support the show. You know, it it, it doesn't cost a million dollars to to keep this running, but it, it does. It does obviously have some uh, some monetary <laughs> monetary stuff that goes into it. So um, the little bit of support really goes a long way. Um, it helps us, you know, just keep the show running and keep it going. And I really want to give a shout out to Liz and Leanne and Nomad Forest Herbology and um, our newest member, Jean Ingvar Marquine. Thank you guys so much. I hope that you guys are finding the Patreon content helpful and Oh, you better believe that we are going to put a lot more on there soon, soon, soon. It is coming. I myself am incredibly busy here on the farm, but it is harvest season, everybody. I hope you had an incredible full moon. That transition just happened. That blood moon, harvest moon just transitioned. And I am up to the brim, full and full and full of <laughs> harvest energy here on the farm. And so... Uh, stretched out to the limits, but once this is over, oh, I'm gonna have so much fun creating a lot of great content for you guys. 
like this music every music all the music in every episode is created by yours truly and i make it specially designed to fit the episode or at least i try right and um and yeah so we have, we have a lot more planned obviously everybody and, and thank you guys so much want to shout out Sabaya Sogard at visionswitch.space. If you guys want some clairvoyant work or past life readings, you know, energy healing, psychic cleaning, aura cleaning, it is a great discount that she's offering everybody. And if you haven't had these types of works done or worked with somebody who's trained in that psychic realm, I really highly advise it. It's it's absolutely amazing. You will you will have an experience that is undoubtedly so. So go on over and check out Tobias Sogard at visionswitch.space. The link is in the show notes. And you guys will have a blast um, getting your aura read. Trust me on that. Now, there's something else I wanted to uh, I wanted to just shout out to everybody. Um that's listening all over the world because it turns out as it turns out we have people listening all over okay here we are based in the United States of course where we have 76% of our listeners but did you know that 5% of our listeners come from Canada 5% from Australia 4% from the UK we have 30 listeners in Sweden, 20 listeners in the Netherlands, 10 in France, 7 in Norway, 7 in Romania, 7 listeners in Germany, 7 listeners in the United Arab Emirates, 6 listeners in Denmark, 6 listeners in Japan, 5 in Mexico, 5 in New Zealand, Portugal, Austria, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Estonia, Iceland, India, Ireland, Spain, Ukraine, Belgium, the Bahamas, Czech Republic, Greece, Israel, Italy, Poland, South Africa, and apparently 18 listeners in an unknown location. You guys, this is amazing. This is amazing. If you're listening outside of the country, I would love it if you email me. Email us. I want to talk to you. I have a couple questions. Our email is in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to us. If you enjoy the show, I want to talk to you. Without further ado, I'm going to read a blog from Lowell's website. The blog title is Thoth Speaks, Humans and Death. Lowell is a human just like you. And I say that so you can begin to digest that what is being revealed to me, all the magic, the multidimensional experiences and divine guidance I've received are all within us all. If you'd only stop and quiet yourself enough to listen to what is being presented to you, that's where the magic exchange takes place. Thoth is beginning to express himself through me in ways meant for everybody to hear. But he doesn't suffer, fools. He has no time for that. He returned, as he said he would, to assist in the ascension of Gaia, not specifically for humanity, although humanity will definitely benefit from realizing their vibration must match their surrounding environment to function within it. 
That is not his focus. He would just as soon point his wand in your direction and turn you into stone as not. He's only had to do it once in the past and immediate audience got it. So what I'm guided to allow him to bring through is this. And he has much to say about the current state of things. Death is inevitable, dear human. It's part of the process of being human. It is not the end of existence. Your soul is immortal, living from incarnation to incarnation in this 3D experiment. When one's life begins, then we die. We return to an angelic realm for our next incarnation with our next soul contract. In this density, or we ascend to a next dimension where all of our friends and relatives are waiting. And it saddens me a bit when I see people grieving the loss of their loved ones when you don't seem to realize you've lost nothing. Their souls too go on just like us to contribute to the evolution of the universe in their individual journeys. What's different for me as opposed to the current situation is that I get straddled. I get to straddle dimensions and go from the 3D construct to the fourth and even higher and come back here and report what I've seen and experienced. What makes it different from the fundamentally that's going on, I'm formed from the same human makeup as you. It's my awareness that expanded past yours to see what we can't see yet, but certainly resonate when you hear the accounts. Earth is heading to a new beginning, we've heard, and we are waiting for the new Earth to manifest. And I know that you recognize that, we feel it, and it is happening now. However, in order for something new to come forward, something must end. It is part of our cycle of life, but I stress it is not the end, an immortal soul. I'll stop here and allow you to assimilate what you've read. Consider this perspective if it is new to you and see if what I'm bringing to your attention makes sense or not. I, and more importantly Thoth, have much more to address and he has much to say about the current conditions on Earth after he left it. Having helped Egypt flourish into the powerhouse it became and he left it for humanity to take the reins from there. Then man seems to have again gone by the way of the downfall of Atlantis without having learned its lessons. This time, with Earth's independent ascension, time is running out to learn the lessons before our vibration no longer just automatically matches that of the planet. Gaia is ready to move into her new space with or without all of humanity. Some of us already do. Some of you are still in the process and some will never get it. The clock is ticking toward the inevitable day that this finally manifests. The light workers that have been here working to enlighten others know the time to wake up the rest of humanity has passed. That is how close to the next ascension we are. Rather, they are here to help those who already get it and are seeking a higher trigger to unlock the next level of their awareness. Here is where the tribe is finding each other and gathering together. Okay, well that is a blog from Lowell's website, 40kfoot 
www.thepowerofview.com and it will be in the show notes. Now, I'm going to read something else. This might seem a little bit off topic, but if you follow us on YouTube, you know that we do Sunday Slow Burns, a live stream on YouTube every Sunday. If you haven't checked it out, you should. We go deep and um, we invite callers onto the show. We put the link out so anybody can join the topics. And last Sunday, we went into the history of vampires. Now, we went into the folklore of vampires, for sure. But we also went into an actual history of vampires on a real level. Because, in fact, they exist. <laughs> Believe it or not, they exist. And um, history tells us so. And I'm going to read a book. Um, an excerpt from a book to kind of cap off what we were talking about on Sunday. And uh, this is the beginning of a chapter of killing the vampire. Down toward the city streets slid rotting caskets containing more than a hundred bodies born on the lip of the mudslide. Within minutes, caskets and corpses engulfed the area, plunging through windows into the living rooms of houses, into stores, and lodging against walls. One body ended up wedged in the doorway of a supermarket. I drove it with my staff into Verdugo Hills, and what I saw there was a scene I'll never forget. Mud had swept the corpses everywhere. Some of them now standing grotesquely upright. Most of them, even some buried for decades, were not skeletons. As most people would expect, the skin was gone, but not the muscle and the tissue. And in a process called adlipoquer formation, the fat on the corpses had changed to a soap-like texture. When the bodies picked up sodium and moisture underground, and their color had become grayish white. Whether the citizens of Verdugo Hills have gotten the shock out of that invasion of corpses, I don't know. Nor, in all candor, can I certain that everybody was correctly identified and reburied under the right name. But we did the best we could on that day. The Dead Rose of Their Graves by Dr. Thomas Noguchi, Coroner. Fra Filippo di Siena tells of parents who had a sick son because they could sought help from a sorceress who in the name of the parents gave the child over to the devil. In the beginning, the boy seemed to get better, but then he died after the passage of three months. He was buried three times and three times thrown out of the consecrated ground of the churchyard. That is, consecrated ground receives the bodies of the damned only unwillingly. Finally, the limbs of the child torn apart were found strewn about in small wood of the vicinity of the churchyard. As we have seen, there are good reasons for binding the corpse in place. Otherwise, it may be dug up by scavengers, uncovered by erosion, or floated to the surface in storms. These things are seen as action by either another animate agency or the corpse itself. Things do not just happen. Something animate wills them to happen. 
once the process is seen as possible, it may be conceived of quite differently or be viewed as preventable through magic. Also, since apotropaki, <laughs> wait, sorry, apotropaics can undergo reinterpretation, we cannot always take the word of our informants as to their function. They may not understand the original function. After all, to know whether the corpse is being locked in or animals out or both in De Religion des Jeux Volcaires by K.F. Carigelanine writes, in the northern area where the grave is not much deeper than necessary to hold the coffin, it is not filled, but it must be covered over with poles and sheets of birch bark and so carefully that little odor escapes from the grave. Here the poles and the birch bark would seem to be intended to keep animals from the body. Now, like I said, might seem a little bit off topic, but if you follow our Sunday slow burn live streams, then it fits right in. And I suggest you guys go to our YouTube channel, go to our YouTube page and check out our past live streams. They are amazing with community members calling in and diving deep into fringe awesome topics that seem to just weave themselves into awesome pieces of antiquated history. So without further ado, let us dive into this episode with Lowell Johnson and our awesome co-host, Andy Sage. Enjoy! Fire Tribe, welcome to Rising from the Ashes. I'm Danny Renaki Dan. I'm the homie Romy. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good. You want you want to do the intro, sir? Yeah, I'll do I'll do the intro here. Um, hello, everybody. We are here today with Lowell Johnson of um, forty. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher. It. Is it forty k? foot view 40,000 foot view.com uh a website plethoric with lots of great information and if i'm not mistaken some sort of mystery school yes yes that's all been fired up you know <laughs> it, it was never my intent to get wherever the hell i have ended up here and so when i came up with that website it was for something else well, I've been told that it's too damn hard for people to find me. And so I have just, if someone types in lowelljohnson.info, they will get to that website so that we never have to describe it in those terms again. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, yes. been a, it's been a pretty good journey for you, uh, a wild journey. And that's what we're going to dig into tonight. So do you mind, let's just start it off. Who are you, Lowell Johnson? Give us give us your story for the people who don't know your background. You know, the timing is really interesting for this because today was the day after a conference I participated in Orlando. It's the first time for a while that anything in person had been done. And there were a thousand people in the room over the weekend. 
So if you're familiar with names like Alex Collier and Elena Denon and Tony Rodriguez and Michael Salo, they were all on the stage and I was invited to their little soiree. So I was the last speaker on Friday. And really, I thought people had sat through sessions all day long. And, you know, if they were going to bail early, it would have been on my session. And it just was the way it was time. Well, by the time they got around to me, the room was standing room only. And it was set for a thousand. Holy shit. <laughs> it was a little intimidating. And it's not like I'm not interested in telling my story. I was in the green room with Alex Collier before he had to go on. He was the first guy. And I said, how do you feel? And he goes, I'm nervous. He said, I don't like doing these things in person. It's one thing when you're on this side of a Zoom screen and everyone else is on the other side. This is intimidating. So he, I love Alex and he's got lots of information he's been sharing. He prefers, like I do, to do exchanges. You got questions? Ask your questions. I, the, the story I have is amazing. It's crazy. Um, and my journey's been two years old. When I was reflecting on it over the weekend and you know, kind of recounting the stories all over again, this was in the end of July in 2020. Yeah, that's not that long ago. Before that, I was a hotel executive, you know, running hotels and casinos. And yet that's what I did until this. How did I get here? <laughs> I still don't really, that question really hasn't been satisfied yet, but something triggered and I know that there's something bigger. I went to Shasta for a variety of reasons and it was during COVID. You know, when we just got too tired of lockdown and they finally began to relax conditions in California, I was just, I needed to get out in nature. That's where I connect all the time, works for me every time. I just needed to go. And it, that wasn't my first choice. My first choice, I was going to go to like the Four Corners area of, you know, the southwestern United States. And there's tons of national parks there. But when I was making plans for it with everything that was surrounding COVID, it wasn't necessarily likely that it was even going to be open. Well, then the next thought that somebody mm -hmm. shoved mm -hmm. in my head was Mount Shasta. And really from where I was, it was like a four-hour drive. Yeah, that's doable. I had heard about it, driven by it a few times, but I was never compelled to go to it like this. You had never heard <laughs> the stories of the like uh, some of the the folklore, because as Dan and I are Californians, there's there's folklore around Mount Shasta. There's a bunch of hippies around Mount Shasta and have been for quite some time. And uh, but you had never heard about this uh, from Mount Shasta, some of the folklore. You heard kind of waves. So, but once you get a, a spiritual bug up your rear, then you begin to hear about these energetic areas. And that's kind of where they were introduced into conversations with me. Not to the degree once you were there and you have these experiences, which I've been there four times now. Every time I go, there's some kind of magic that just plays itself out there that is undisputable. And it's not like it's, I'm not the only one. When you get to witness this with other people around you, there's something to it. Um, this last summer, I went back to present at the same conference I had the year before. And there were people that had they decided that let's try to have a workshop and we, I could take people to these energetic areas and see what experiences they have. 
there was a, a, a group of four people who are not hikers by any stretch of the imagination. And the area that we begin at is just shy of 9,000 feet. Well, I was going to take them to the areas where I had had my experiences on the mountain. And along the way, I had shown them, oh, I kind of detoured this way the first time, went up kind of where it's green over there, but we, I ended up over there. And so when I showed them that direction, they went off that way and they didn't come back. The group and us went over there for two and a half hours or so and then made our way back to the parking lot. So three and a half hours later, uh, we all get back down to the parking lot and we don't see them until a car pulls up and the car, the car contains Barry who had gone up higher to almost 10,000 feet and somehow made his way down to Bunny Flats, which was on the way up from where I was. So there was no way a human being could cover three, I'm sorry, four and a half miles in the amount of time he did. And he was fresh as a daisy. Yeah, he found a vortex. That's that's mm. the stuff that happens there. That sounds exactly like other similar stories of when you get contact and next thing you know, you're evading time and space and being able to jump multiple miles back to your group. What did he experience some sort of strange time, time jump that he was able to share with you guys? Not that he articulated, but even he realized when he, when he came back up from wherever he found himself walking into bunny flats. And if you're familiar with the area, you know where old ski bowl trail is. And then higher than that, right? As opposed to where Bunny Flats is, somehow he stepped out of the parking lot of Bunny Flats when he was done with this walk. Now, you know what that means, right? You can't cover that amount of ground on foot. Mm. And here comes Barry. He had um, somebody given him a ride back up to the parking lot by Old Ski Bowl Trail. We got out of the car, that precious a daisy. And then he told us where he'd been. You can't make that stuff up. What happens? What about, the other, what about the other people in the group? They did. They they went them. off in another direction. So Barry oh, was okay. on a solo. The other three of them showed up later, but similar circumstances where they admitted they mm. weren't hikers either. Now they didn't end up on bunny flats, but somehow they had. They must have portaled their way back to where we were, because at the very end of it, when we all came together, that's when they showed up. And they wondered where we were. <laughs> what happens at 40,000 feet on Mount Shasta? Uh, 40,000. Is that, oh, sorry. Is that the, your website is 40,000 feet, right? Yes. Yes. That's supposed to be relative to your, your perspective. Oh, okay. you know, people used to say, oh, this is what I see from a 40,000 foot view. That was the idea behind the website. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I I had no idea it would apply to this type of content down the road. <laughs> well, uh, where whereabouts? Like, where can you tell us you the intro to your first story and experience for maybe our listeners who haven't um, delved into your experience? Yeah, um, I attribute whatever this awareness of my metaphysical side 
I think that happened when I had a TIA. I had a, a mini stroke when late in 2015, December, as a matter of fact, I had a procedure to correct. And then when the doctor suggested that meditation would be a really great idea as part of my therapy and you're going to be laid up for about the next 30 days anyway. Um, it was something that made sense to me to consider. And it wasn't the first time that I explored it, was interested in it. Um, I just couldn't quiet my mind enough to achieve whatever the outcome that people promised that they would get. Well, I figured within this 30 days, I got ample time to do that because I'm on the couch, nothing else to do. So every app I can find, every internet reference I can find. Uh, the one thing I can't find seems to be this mantra that everybody talks about. Because you can't just dial up the internet and you know buy one and it doesn't work that way. Somehow during that period of time, I had seen the movie The Secret twice before and it registered with me I don't know what brought it to my attention again but when I listened to it again of course Transcendental Meditation is mentioned in the movie well I thought let me do some research and when I did and I found out you know what it was how simple it allegedly worked what the procedure was and then that the means that people were trained was all uniform from the time the Maharishi passed along to everybody else who then passed along. This is all the same from, you know, the original source. And I thought, well, it'd be worth the try because it was as simple as they say, I'll give it a whirl. Trainers are not on every block. So there was something synchronous immediately when I found out that there was a trainer that lived like a mile from where I lived at the time. Okay, this was probably lining up and it was supposed to happen. After the second day, um, I had found that place. She, whatever it did, got me to that place where, you know, you're at the field of probabilities. You have quieted everything and here you are, place your intent. What do you want? The challenge then from that point on is how do I do that regularly? Because that's kind of like a teaser. The universe is going to get your attention within this four-day initiation period because you go back-to-back -back for four days. First day is 90 minutes, and then one hour each day after that gets you in your regimen. By the third day, you I felt when you sat in the chair that I knew that my feet were on the ground and my butt was on the seat and my arms were on my hands. But as you got into this state, you knew all those things were there, but you couldn't feel them anymore. Like you had become one with whatever it is. So now quieting your mind and starting to tuck your intent in there was easier, but you couldn't get there every time. That was what I craved. And once I got there, even my trainer said, I can see you training other people to do this. And really from that point on, when it benefited me, after a month especially, I was getting changes in my health. I had had this condition in my like solar plexus all the time, and I chalked it up to get indigestion from time to time. It flares up, it goes away. Mm -mm, it was a stress ball. It just sat there. And after my third day of meditation, it never came back. I have a history of high blood pressure. Don't have it anymore. I've been an athlete, a hockey player, had arthritis and lots of joints. Don't have it anymore. I didn't. Doctors did not wave that away. The universe just kind of allowed, I allowed it to just do whatever you need to do to take care of my body. And 35 pounds went by the wayside 
and all of those, con this, those conditions went away. Uh, I before uh, I guess if we can. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just wondering how how often do you do you can practice the transcendental meditation? Is it something that you do daily, multiple times a yes. day, weekly? Um, yeah. How do you go? I do it every day. First thing, if when I get, I typically get up just before seven o'clock, and that's the first thing I do for twenty minutes. It just starts my day off. Really, you benefit from doing it twice a day. I get away from those habits because I I get busy during the day. I but I know better. Because when you do let your capacitor kind of recharge for 20 minutes, like at 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, oh, my God, it makes a real difference. You get used to that. You just want to be in that zone all the time. When I really found that place where it quiets so much, you know, when you're sitting in a quiet room and someone drops a book behind you, you just jump. Yeah, you don't do that anymore. And I, it's an amazing thing. Doors will slam and you don't jump anymore. Something got me in a different zone because I hear it. I'm aware of what's going on around me. But somehow that sensation no longer frightened me. Meditation is a it's a slow roll. You know, for, for, for a lot of people, it's, it's years to even get to a point where you can consider yourself in a meditative state. Um, and breathing, you know, plays a big, big part of that. But I'm actually really curious about your life up to 2015, like pre that pre-incident. Like what what was really going on? Like, you know, was did you notice like if you look back at it now after having your experiences and then absolutely let's divert back into your real story. But maybe give us sure. some more context as to some synchronicities that that maybe you noticed now that you didn't notice that were happening before to get you to that point. Because a stroke is a serious way of the universe to be like, hey, dude, let, let me shake you up a little bit because you're supposed yeah. to be on this other path. They do say that in a lot of cases, when it wants to get your attention, it's some type of physical manifestation like that to get your attention. Yeah, I've heard that. And so in my case, I believe that that was the trigger. But before that, I, I, I've been a service to others being my entire life. I played it out in the hotel business, running hotels and running non-gaming operations for casinos. If it was a restaurant or a hotel room or retail, you know, I had my fingers in it. And I liked being the guy that could take distressed properties. I like to fix them. I like to leave my thumbprint on them, and here's how I made it better when I was there. And along the way, I just had a way with staff. When I look in people's eyes, I can tell you exactly what's in your heart. And that benefited me forever because I could tell what people were suited for the hospitality business and those that were not. Look, you're either cut for this or you are not. And that doesn't make you a bad person if you don't really like to work with the public. But if you don't, this is probably not the right gig for you. So I'll be happy to help you find somewhere else. And the people that were there saw me work with them. I was always on a level playing field with all the people that I worked with. And man, you should see what teams would do when everybody's on the same page. I, it was also not important for me always to be the most the brightest guy in the room. Many times I had, somebody had demonstrated to me that the most unlikely person in the room said something we all needed to hear before this decision was made. Just surrender yourself to it. 
and take it as a win because holy cow, had we not listened to that, that was the perfect advice. And it didn't need to come from me. Yeah. Watch what your team does. Find out the individual gifts everybody has because we all have one that's unique. You do. I do. I take great pride in whatever it is that I have to offer back. Um, and I know it's not like anybody else has. But when you match what I have with what you have and watch what we can do together, holy shit, this is where we're going. Yes. <laughs> the next civilization that I got to step my foot into and see, that's how they think. That's how they operate. That's what I'm looking for. And we're about this far away from the shift taking place. It's no coincidence to me that all of this is being pushed upon people that are already sensitive to changes that are coming. We feel vibrations and maybe we can't put our fingers on it. I'm here to help tell you what those are and that the timeline is finite. Yes, there is a timeline when Earth's consciousness is about to rise. Or you would not hear a guy that for 40 years was running hotels that's all of a sudden telling you that this news is coming. I know I was chosen for some purpose because maybe when it was time for you all to hear this message, you heard it from a guy that was just like you. Thinks the same way you do. Thinks he's no better, no less than the rest of you. And yet look at what's happened to me. I'm not the only one. I'm the first one. That's kind of what sunk in after I had my experiences with light beings last year after going to Telos the year before. Yeah, Telos was not a one and done, Lowell. No, we have some other multidimensional things that we're going to entertain you with. But at the same time, it's time for humanity needs some physical upgrades. There's some additional light plasma that is now coming our way. And it has been for a while. I'm sure you understand that that's been penetrating every sentient being, including Earth, including us. We're getting ready to change cellularly. Our DNA is being cracked open. And there is a method coming to help repair the manipulated DNA we've always had and replace it back to original human design. And when that happens, the code that you'll receive because you're aware and awake is going to be enhanced. We've been living as human beings on what's called half orionic light. That's what we live on. When we breathe, this is the phenomenon that takes place. Well, there's full spectrum light now coming our way. And this process allows our DNA to accept more light and hold higher frequencies. That's what's coming. Just like Earth is adjusting, we're getting the opportunity to do the same thing. It's still a choice. You still have the opportunity to choose when the time comes, but the clock is ticking. Is this a part of a celestial cycle that takes place? Um, and maybe these Lemurian beautiful beings are uh, just just letting a few people know about the cycles that are important. Um and can can maybe we go into some of these these cycles because it it does yes. touch on some other uh you know some other paradigms that people have talked about and you know obviously astronomy astrology and zodiacal understanding is incredibly important to people of power and have been all the way back to the dawning of the you know the ancient Egyptians and Aztecs and so on and so forth. You're exactly right. We're part. That's a cosmic cycle that 
Earth is going through because Earth is part of our solar system and our sun. And our entire solar system is in uh, an enhanced photon belt of energy that she has not been into. She's begun a new 26,000-year cycle of the age of procession. We have stepped into, for the next two years, this band of that additional light that's coming our way. We're bedded in it. The, the dates, 2012, was the time at which that session ended and re-began. But it took about four years, about 2016, until our entire solar system was now bathed in this new belt. So now our sun gets that signal and modulates it out to everything within her area, including the Earth. So you've seen all this elevated CME activity and solar, you've seen it. Here is evidence that science can now help us a little bit more understand what this is about. But when we've neglected the metaphysical sides of ourselves for so long, and now it's just begging to be nourished, how do we make sense of what this light that everybody's talking about, what is it? Yes, it's a real phenomenon, and it's coming at greater capacities because in order for us to ascend like the Earth is, we have got to match her vibration, right? Everyone understands that. She's going whether or not we've all kumbaya each other to get enough so that the collective moves on. It was never contingent on that. As you pointed out, she's in a cosmic cycle. She's going one way or the other. And if the sentient beings match her vibration, now they get to experience the things in their new realm as well, because that's yeah. all it is. When I, people ask me, what do I have to do? Keep your vibration high. And when you do, you'll experience everything at that same frequency. That's how I got to experience the things I did. My I was just open to it. And now, man, Changes have taken place in my DNA, and I know things that I knew I knew before. I just don't know how. It, it's everyone else's turn. I have pictures that came from that last thing that this weekend was the first time I'd shown them in public. I met a hybrid along the way. Didn't know who she was, but she was supposed to cross my path to you know place me in a position to be able to have physical contact with six-dimensional beings and that's a wonderful story to tell and an incredible experience to have but she photographed it yes so if you want proof that this stuff happens that's what lowell would stepped up to do i'll have an unusual and entertaining story to tell you but i'm going to have pictures to go along with it and everybody's jaw dropped when i showed them the pictures this weekend they were meant for you that activation I went through, Lowell was the first one. It's not the only one. So if you're awake and aware and you can tell that there's energy that's coming from somewhere, you just can't put your finger on it, you're part of tribe that's finding one another now so that we can help each other interpret it. And in my case, <laughs> I've been through a few ayahuasca journeys. And the first one was always difficult for me because I'm a Capricorn and I like to know how things work. So half of me is trying to watch the shaman and what he's doing while I got the other foot in Mother Ayahuasca take me away. Yeah, you can't, you can't do both. And so that was kind of the same thing when I started having these dimensional experiences. I want to understand the process. I'm a human and I just need to know. It, but 
I then I get in the way of whatever it is that is magnificent that they want to show me. You just when you surrender yourself, people show up. Stuff is put in your path. Um, how in the world along this way? And remember, this has been like a two-year window. How do I get to sit in front of the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull three times? You know how long mm -hmm. it takes for anybody to just do that one time? How in a four-day period did I get to do that three times? I know, right? <laughs> Something was placed in yeah. my path to prepare me to help the rest of you. I, it's nothing that you can sign up for. The messages that I've been getting have been unsolicited. Now they've been from people that I know, but it's not like I'd stay in touch with them. Hey, let me know when the next thing comes through for me. It's not like that. I'm the first one. And when we, I, there comes a point when you have had a foot in your, I like to say straddling dimensions. When you have been on the other side, it's easier to get there again in the future. The hard part is when you have to come back to this crap and drop your vibration to match it again. <laughs> It gets to be taxing. Never mind that you really want to feel what love is like and what really you, when you're connected to everyone else, that's that realm. Um, mm. We're all getting there, but we're getting there now at a more accelerated rate. I know you guys, you, this is not new content to you and probably because you feel it for yourselves. I'm here to focus on the physical part. So when it happens to others, that's the human side. I know that you, if I could put it in terms that your five senses can understand, then I can help you with that. Because you're not quite ready for the ethereal sixth dimensional version of it. We'll get you there. You're ready for it. You've had it before, but we're in physical form enjoying this. Yeah. yeah. I think you answered uh, <laughs> a big question there for me. Was that, uh, you know, we're moving in, the sun is moving into this new light. And once we connect to that same vibration that now the sun is in, that's why we are being able to elevate. Because for me, I thought, I was always thinking, oh, like we're in a new age, it's that new age time period. But, you know, when you look at it that way, it seems a lot more likely implausible then we're just moving into another age because everybody always talks about the age of aquarius and our vibration rising yes but when you say we're we've already been into this new vibration with the with the sun uh it just it opened up my brain it made me go oh i get it i fucking get it now <laughs> that, you know i had to go back and learn cosmology too because in order to understand where this energy was coming from, you have to be interested in things beyond your solar system. When I understood that Alcyon is really our central sun, and that is what feeds oh. our entire solar system, that is where this energy is emitting from now. And she has Alcyon. shifted into this next 2,000-year cycle so this, yeah, that band is the age of Aquarius. We're being bathed by that from our central, central sun. And it's just pouring throughout our entire galaxy. And mm. the whole thing is in you know, a cosmic cycle, just like everything else is going along. We're just sentient critters hanging on for dear life, 
while Earth is going through a guaranteed ascension. Humans, we're not guaranteed. But if your vibration matches, we get to see new Earth. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what do you think everything in like the world now is kind of seeming like it's going to shit or uh, getting destroyed? Is is that because that that's just the people hanging on that aren't being able to ascend upwards and, and that old system is kind of just destroying itself at this time or you know or is it something different no you've hit the nail on the head there a bit yeah, lots of these things are just dismantling you know mm-hmm. when i have a frame of reference because i've seen the next civilization and you know what they use for mm-hmm. money yeah they don't use money and you know what they use for deciding where people live yet yeah, that decisions everyone has a place to live clothes to wear food to eat uh, those things are all provided the collective provides it for one another. And I guess in a pure sense, that was what our government was supposed to do for us, but that paled a long time ago. Earth has been a 3D experiment in duality. You are a wonderful little spark of source that came here to help it know more about itself. You, you signed up for lessons. You picked this incarnation. You knew what you were going to do and what you were going to learn when you were here but you had to learn the good stuff and the bad stuff. So Hmm. when all that's done and this incarnation is over, you go back for another assignment. So if you're not done learning 3D lessons, bless your heart, great. Whatever you have contributed already, now it becomes part of the collective Akash, doesn't it? Those are your contributions, and now you're going in for more. (laughs) So what I want to say first is thank you for your contributions, especially for the lousy ones you learned, because I don't have to learn them. And you're welcome for the ones that I learned on your behalf, because they weren't great either. But here's how (laughs) the universe continues to evolve. We're about done with third-dimensional lessons. There will be those, just like you said, you know, there's a lot more people walking around that don't have any clue what any of this means. Those are the ignorant and uneducated, and that doesn't make them bad people. They're just not aware. Maybe they'll get it. Maybe they won't. But right now, again, the clock is ticking so much that it's no no one that calls themselves a light worker is trying to convince anybody of anything anymore. No, no, we're just here to support those that kind of are getting it so that you do in the end. We'll help guide you with what we know because not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone's done learning 3D lessons. They're going to have to find another place in the galaxy because when the planet ascends, it's not contingent on anything humanity is doing. It's ascending. You want to stay here, your vibration has to match. And if you're still in 3D world, you'll get to play those lessons out. It just won't be here. Earth is no longer that vessel. She's fourth dimensional. Um, for all the people listening, if you guys can go back to the Patreon episode I did with Philip Lindsay, um, who founded Esoteric Astrology, um, it's made some few documentaries and things, and, and he talks about these different types of cycles that, um, within our planetary system, he describes these different, um, planets and they, they have ascension, they have initiatory levels in which they progress and they enter a new state, they enter a new cycle or what have you. Um, and when he told me that earth is actually an uninitiated planet comparatively to Saturn and Jupiter who have gone through these levels of what, you know, what we're just calling initiation, 
into some sort of cosmic club, um, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, well, it seems like Earth would be, you know, a, a uh, initiated planet or, you know, it had ne- reached that next level of the veil. But he said the moon had not, um, nor had um, there was one one other one specifically. And so it's 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 nice to hear that again. It's interesting to hear it again. Um, you know, and it's a lot to chew on. It's it's um it's really interesting. And you were talking earlier about a a finite timeline, and we've kind of come across these types of um, paradigms before on the show. And I'm hearing a lot about like the next two to three years from different sources and things. And I'm curious what say this that again. I, you broke up. So, did you say two or three next years? Two to three years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to hear what my understanding is? Yes, please. Yes. Our guides have told us we have two years to complete this work. And that the original timeline that I understood and totally resonated with would be sometime between 2015 and 2025. And if you ask me, (laughs) every morning I wake up and sense the the phenomenon coming our way from the sun, it could be tomorrow for all I know. All the more reason for us to help assist people with understanding what's really going on. And um, you had made mention a moment ago and it resonated again. It'll come back in a second. You made some really good observations. Oh, when you observed um, just cosmology, that was the part of science that helped me come to some decision-making. When science was where I got information about Alcyon and um, uh, the uh, enhanced photon belt, those were scientific facts that just helped bring clarity to me. Uh, and then when you tie that together with cosmology and understand that and then understand when Earth is hit and magnetic fields that are breaking down, yes, we're going through a phenomenon greater than ourselves. And when all we've been conditioned to do is think that we're this, we are really in charge on Earth and all of this disaster that happens as a result of our activities we're like ants. <laughs> we are just critters crawling on her. Um, but when you have a symbiosis with her, then the world is a wonderful place. We're humans. We are not ants. We came here to have physical experiences. We're not done having physical experiences. We get to do that in fourth and fifth dimensional levels as well. But we get past this, whatever mind block was, that we think that we you know, or allegiance to somebody else. And that's the only way we'll ever have it. No, no, you get your sovereignty back and you get to wear it like a badge. Everybody recognizes it because they know that when we're connected to one another, part of me is in you and part of you is in me. Why would I want anything to happen to that? Hey, uh, well, our, my buddy, Andy has joined the chat. Andy, do you want to, do you have any questions for Lowell or what's your thoughts so far on, on the conversation? Yeah, I got a ton of questions for Lowell. Um, yeah, this is so fascinating. I've been following <laughs> your work and, uh, I have several questions. I want to also mention, uh, the two uninitiated planets in addition to the moon and earth, uh, tend to be Mars and Pluto, supposedly. I've heard um, that myself. It's just yeah. another rabbit hole. You know what happens? 
you go down one rabbit hole and here's three more. Oh yeah. And now Vulcan is one of the initiated planets. I've been very I don't interested know, in but Vulcan. you know, I, I, now I'm interested in researching it more. My attention has been away from the planetary stuff, which was really interesting to me forever, but your attention just goes elsewhere. I really want to understand the cosmology better. Because now yeah, that I mean, we are actually well, going to go to these places, I want to know more about them now. It's been I've been told I'm a commander of a mothership. Well, I want to know where I'm going. Yeah, if we got a couple of years, we better get going on figuring all this stuff out. It's it's all right yeah. here. It's a golden age of information. So we're so blessed. Yes. Knowledge. Um, so, no, no, we're yeah. past information. Now we're knowledge. Understanding and knowledge, different, different beasts. I, I suggest people look into Philip Lindsay's work. Um, and he has a he has a documentary strictly called Esoteric Astrology. And they've been working on these uh, the cosmology of this kind of specific thing that we're talking about for the past 30 years. Um, and it's like there's a lot of really great uh, credited astrologists um, and astronomists that actually work within their um, within their wheelhouse. And it's really great. So just for everybody, uh, Philip Lindsay and Esoteric Astrology, Hidden History of Humanity is another documentary that they made together. Um, but just wanted to throw that out there so everybody can have a little tidbit to chew on. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, actually, uh, I've been in a couple shows here with the Rising from the Ashes podcast with these guys. And I mentioned earlier uh, in the shows that I had been brought to Halcyon um, in out-of-body experience. And so this stuff really resonates with me strongly. And um, I've been following the teachings of the Law of One. Are you familiar with the Law of One teachings, Lowell? Absolutely, positively. But before that, let me address, there has huh? been a lot of communication come from the great central sun, my friend. So I'm not yes. surprised that you're triggered by it. Yes. And, and yes, I know Madame Lubatsky mentions it. Yes. In her works. Yeah. Well, if you've heard you know, Yaya interpret when we've had our sessions together, she's about to be their spokesperson. Oh my God. There have been a couple of sessions where we haven't released it to anybody else because that's very private for her and very sacred. But they've invited her to be their spokesperson. Wow. Hello, I know, right? That's this amazing. was the source that we got. You have two years to get the work done from. Yes. Now, I was kind of under the impression that this world is either like a chthonic realm, like under the earth, or possibly it could be like a portal to the future and these people are from the future communicating to us now yeah did you there ever get that seven impression? dimensions represented here on the planet seven so when you hear i'm um up to that lines with the law of one when you um here in the emerald tablets where toth speaks about the seven lords yes it's the lords of each one of the dimensions that are responsible for those overseeing so third dimension fourth fifth sixth all the way to ninth those lords were all designated to oversee those dimensions here on the planet they're here to assist us ne negotiating them so you know the, the lords that are here between three and four they're pretty freaking busy right now <laughs> because here's where the transition's taking place there's a lot of physical things that you know humanity is not the focus right now Gaia is the focus and getting her through the ascension. 
if we pay attention to our vibration, we will all benefit as a result of it. But that is not where assistance is coming. Druids are popping out of freaking everywhere. Fairies are popping out of nowhere, all kind of to support this effort, which just tells me that the shift in her consciousness is coming at a rapid rate. I don't really think we're going to get, if you ask my opinion, we're not going to get to the year 2025 in this dimension. Let me let me ask you um, so you can enlighten our listeners a little bit on what your opinion and understanding of vibration is, because it is a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, you know, what what is it? What what is it in your understanding, and and how is it something that we can be in contact with in ourselves and work with it and and help to elevate it. That's, it's another, in order for under, to understand how I connect to everything else, really under, you need to understand how you work. And we're much like the planet. Um, we're electromagnetic beings. Are we not? Yeah, we are. Um, and that is the planet. That's what's contained in the plasma that we get from the sun. That's what the earth is made out of. When earth was first formed, she was a seventh dimensional being. I know we spend so much time right now talking about how we're going from this 3D density to 5D. <laughs> the Earth was seven. That's really where we're going. We're trying to get back to that period. Um, you know, one day we'll talk about you know Lemuria and Atlantis and how all that broke down and the causes of it. But there was seventh-dimensional beings. The Lemurians were that way back then. And when the Atlanteans wanted to become that, they kneecapped themselves with a story that we'll, we'll talk about at another time. But the Earth had the capacity to hold that frequency. And when it can, it means that it can sustain sentient beings that can also share the same frequency. We're going through that now. We've just been stuck. Part of it is that we reside in this bio suit we have is carbon-based. Really lasts about 100 years, and it wears out. And that's the game. Where we're going, though, and this other light that we've been receiving through, you know, central sun and other mechanisms is not just for Earth's consciousness to rise. It's for ours as well. And there's a component of that is now burying itself into your at a cellular level. You're being mutated on the inside to crack open your DNA to enable it for this form. When the shift comes, you turn into a crystalline. Oh, you're a light body now. So yes, you still have physical form in the fourth and fifth dimension, but it's not going to break down like this anymore. It's I, I imagine it like I'm actually wearing the shirt right now of like Pink Floyd's Isaac Newton prism, right? Like the crystal, <laughs> yes. the crystal shines through the light and comes through in the many different spectrums. So finally, just yes. listening to that album last night. Dude. Nice. Yeah, many synchronicities are happening right now as we're going through this like uh, this lunar eclipse. Too, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of yes. stuff. It's crazy, but um, I, I kind of want to get. We, we never got into your original story. Yes, Let's see what happens. Get into that. <laughs> oh well. All right. Um, I had gone, when I finally got to Shasta and I wanted a connection to something bigger than myself, I went there with the idea that I was looking for ascended masters. 
If you've heard the story about a St. Germain and what had happened back in the 1930s, this is no legend. He came out and gave lots of information to Guy Ballard. And I don't know, how many books did Guy write? It became um, a movement. The St. Germain Foundation became a thing because he was addressing almost the very same things we're beginning to talk about again. Uh, recognition of dimensionality. Oh, my goodness. And I just want to let everybody know, St. Germain, that was like the last time I think anybody had like seen or heard of St. Germain. But before that, it was in the 1700s. And before that, it was in the, the 1500s. Like he is the number one numero uno time traveling communicator. And it's super fascinating rabbit hole. If you guys want a, a rabbit hole to go down the St. Yeah. Germain rabbit holes. Yeah, now, he carries the, the violent flame master, right, right now. He's the guy who is responsible for really the, all this overall transition. And he's been giving us, you know, breadcrumbs all along the way. But you're right. We think about it in our little linear time and think that when the 1930s was a long time ago, <laughs> not in his realm, it's not. <laughs> uh, he represents uh, the violet flame of purification, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And it sounds yeah. like a lot of these health benefits that you've gained mentally, emotionally, and physically uh, may have been the result of that purification from that violet flame. I had that experience myself. Yeah, it's, just it's alchemical. Absolutely it is. You know, And when you realize it's something we carry inside of ourselves, we don't know that until it finally happens. And then you understand that you've, you have mastery. We all do to transmute negative energy into light. We have that capacity. And now with better light that's coming, watch what we do with that. The dark doesn't have, you see the struggles and all the chaos that's going on right now because you know that they're struggling to hang on to what they've got. That, that's all that they know. But all the bales are being pulled back. And I hear this prognostications about what's going to happen on the planet when the financial systems break down and you know really it just all goes to crap that is i think the shift is going to be the snap that's going to come before all that gets a chance to materialize itself i hope that it does so that we don't have to wander around how the hell are we going to exist <laughs> i've just seen where we're going just let's just skip to that part and let's get there quicker. It wasn't like last fall when really things had settled in and I saw my role and I knew where I was going. There were just days when if when you get engaged into the news and all the white noise, I just freaking had it. I'm done. If I can really ascend and take me now. And they said, no, 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 that's not the deal you made. You asked us to restore some of your abilities so that you could help others ascend. Here's the game. Here is what it is. So you already know. It took me a while. You know, I didn't know much about the Lemurians. I did because I had an interest in past life regressions to Atlantis, and I got help with that. And in order to understand that, you kind of have to understand Lemurians before that. But let's say I did not have a broad base of knowledge. And what I knew about Telos, I had learned a few days before this interest because I saw it on the cover of Wook and Shasta. I didn't know any more about that. Again, I was hoping to have a spiritually enlightening conversation with an ascended master. I was out off trail 
looking for energetic portals and hoping for that kind of thing because it's happened there before. Uh, that was not what happened. <laughs> they were going to show me a multidimensional experience, which I didn't understand what it was at the time. And so on this particular day, we'll get to the hike. I had been sitting at a place here on Shasta. If you're familiar with it, you know you can drive up as far as you can uh, up Everett Memorial Highway to the parking lot there at Old Ski Bowl Trail. And I went up there on a Friday to kind of skim the place out to figure out what I was going to do for the weekend. Now, I had been there already for four weeks. Originally, I went there to stay for one, thought I'd extend two. All of a sudden, I'm hiking not the same trails every day. And I'm hiking like I'm 21 years old. It took me two weeks to just figure out the physicality was like off the charts because a guy my age can't hike the way I was without a day in between. It wasn't like that. There's some palpable energy at Mount Shasta that once your boots are on the ground there, I can't, I, there's still not words to describe what it is. It's just energy, different kind of energy. It's very mature and it's just there, but wow. It's, it explains why non-hikers can climb to 10,000 feet <laughs> and go to another place, you know, three and a half hours later. It's just incredible. Um, I had been sitting at a picnic table in that area. There's about four of them there. It's really not made for that because people just go there to hike. But I'd been looking back at Shasta and off to the left is where Shastina is, her little sister. And because where the sun was hitting her at that time of day, it looked like there were some shadowed areas. And I like cave hunting. It looked like these things had the possibility to be that. And, and so in my mind, I was going to pick one of the days over the weekend to go explore it. It didn't look like it was going to be very hard to get there and not very far from the parking lot. But I was going to have to go off trail to go see the things I wanted to do. There, So that weekend i was going to choose to walk up or go to the top of black butte which is another little mountain next to it. it's about 6500 feet and you can actually climb all the way to the top of it research i'd done on the internet gave a variety of reasons about people that had experiences and it's basically just it's scree if you know what scree is it's just loose rock it's dangerous in places and it's not the place that you should really hike alone. But I always hike alone. So it, it wasn't that I was paying any attention to my safety, but I had done that the first day. I decided I'll do that on Saturday, take the whole day to do that. And then Sunday, I'll come back and revisit this other spot. Well, that was finally a fatiguing hike. Took me longer to go down from that than it took for me to get up. And six hours later, I got back in my room, and that was finally about 6.15 Saturday night. I had intended to stay in bed on Sunday morning, just watch TV, and just kind of recover. Well, when I got up the next morning, like I always do at 7, and I meditate, I rolled back over. I was going to go back to sleep for a while, but at 9.30, no, I'm anxious. Whatever fatigue I had was gone. And by 10 o'clock, my inner being was kicking my butt out of bed, put your clothes on and head back up. So I did. By quarter to 12, I'm back up in this spot. 
and I map out where I'm going to walk. I make my hike on the way over there, and I find these energetic areas on the way. It wouldn't be until later that when I went back to explore those areas again that they're markedly different than other places on the mountain. You know, it's pretty bare, especially in that area. They call that avalanche gulch because it was in the 19, early 90s. I think that's when that avalanche came through and took all that out. So there isn't too much that grows there, and you certainly don't see lush green areas. Well, every time when I went back and I noticed these energetic areas now, these are these little lush green things around like a circle of rocks with a tree in the middle. I had always spotted the, you know, the rocks and the trees before, and it's just not the visual of it, but you feel energy there that was elevated. Now you see all this kind of green cover, ground cover around it. Oh, my God. How does it grow there when everything else on the mountain doesn't display that? There's something different about these areas. So when I found the first one and I felt that energy, it's my reflex to plant my light there. It's been just stuck in my head that I'm a light worker. And where I go, I don't go to Shasta to get something from the mountain. I go there to plant light for Gaia on her behalf, but there's always an exchange. I get something out of it, just like I leave something behind. And, um, you know, when you do that, you activated that area. You defy somebody to walk through your aura after that and not be affected by it, light worker. That's your job. Um, so when I did that there, I was just getting ready to settle in and I saw another spot kind of off to my left and a little bit higher. Well, I liked the elevation. So I moved over and I was starting this process over again. And then I saw one more spot like against the rock. And there was like an outcropping of like three boulders around here. And so when I went to explore a little bit more, I could see, well, man, there's like room to sit back there. So I crawled over the first rock. It was a little higher than my inseam, but it was narrow, so I could get over. And then there's a big boulder in front of me, a big boulder to the side. You could look off back in the parking lot and see it in the distance, but there wasn't anybody else around me. And how I got here, I had to go off trail to get where I was. So I looked in that direction, planted my light, like I said, and then I sat down. I started to have some grapes and some water. And uh, my back was up against, you know, this rock behind me. And the only thing separating me from it was the dried brush that was between us. So after I finished water and what grapes I was having, I put them back in my bag. I was listening to music through my ear pods and um, my phone's always in my back pocket. Well, the music stopped. And about the same time, there was a, it felt like, like the sun was moving at such a spot that the, there, the, it, the shadow was visible with your naked eye. So from where I was sitting, it felt like it was kind of coming from behind me. And then at the same time, almost like there was a shadow canopy coming over me. Well, all this is happening while I'm trying to get my phone out of my back pocket. And when I sit up to look at it, there's no power on my phone anymore. I was just listening to music, power's off. And when I'm looking at this, I can feel a breeze coming from behind me. 
when I turn around to find out where that's coming from, there's a hole now where I was backed up and I stood up to take it all in. This thing had to be, I'm six feet tall in its round opening. It was at least a foot taller than I was. It looked as though it was, we'll say it was a tunnel and it kind of went, there was a little rise from where I was looking at it that went up and then it went downward. And as my eyes began to adjust to the dark in there, I'll be damned if it didn't look like there's somebody down there. If I was to guess, it's an adult-sized person and probably about my size. Well, when I thought that in my head that I saw somebody, then I heard someone say, would you like to see Telos? I made my way down after my heart kind of caught back. I wasn't frightened by it. I'm interested in things I've never seen before. I didn't get any vibrations, anything but just benevolence in there. So there was no fear for me to have to overcome. When I got closer and I could see this being, he was not my size. He was eight feet and change. When I got close enough to see him, he was wearing a white garb with these colored ribbons. I'll call them that because I still don't know what else to call them. And his, he looked, Scandinavian, if I had to describe it, and flawless. If this, in fact, what I put together was what a crystalline being looks like, now I can see why you can't tell if they're hundreds or thousands of years old because they don't age. Um, there are lots of conclusions I came to when I kind of connected those dots. Um, but we'll go on with this and then I can share those observations later. He, as I got closer, he said, you can call me Alex. I said, well, that'll be easy to remember because that's my son's name. He said, yeah, we know about your son. Just follow me. And on the way down this tunnel, I can tell we're you know, moving further downward. He begins to tell me about uh, there is a king and queen there. Uh, but the, the I'm not quite sure if you can call legislation. They're the spiritual council is really who they are. The council of 13, there are six feminine and six masculine um, people that sit on for balance. Adama, their head priest, is the 13th member. Um, the people that serve in that council are there because of their spiritual elevation. Their role is to help others achieve the same levels of spirituality for you know, their lives. Uh, and they were chosen because of their spot. Um, as we got to the bottom of the space, I could see that there was light coming from down on the bottom. When we got closer to that and the area opened up a little bit, I looked behind me from where we came from, expecting to see kind of light from behind. No, it was dark. So whatever was behind me, now, in retrospect, did we go through a portal? I don't know, maybe, but I'm still in physical form and my boots are definitely on the ground here. When we get into this lit area, it kind of opened up to, I call it a staging area because I don't know what else to call it. Across from us a bit are five more entries to tunnels similar to the one we just came out of. But immediately to my left, there's like the six foot by six foot platform. 
and what appears to be like two bucket seats on the top. There's no console or anything else on it. And I can't tell you what the material was. I'd love to say it was crystal because it had that look to it, but I don't think that it was. It certainly wasn't metal. It wasn't wooden. It wasn't anything that I recognized. There was another one further to the left, and then there was another one off to my right. Well, while I had been taking all that in and kind of getting my logistics, Alex had gone over to the other side and sat in the seat to the left and indicated for me to sit next to him. Well, as soon as my butt hit the seat, this thing floated and off we went, headed for the middle tube over there. And whatever sensation we're used to, like, you know, when wind goes by us and you feel that sensation, there wasn't any of that. Oh, but we were still moving nonetheless. And as we were approaching the other end of this tube and you could begin to see light coming from the other side, the closer we got to it, the more de definition you saw in the walls of this tube, because you now you could see uh, the light refracting off the crystals where we're in. And it looked like a kaleidoscope. And every inch you moved, the light refraction would change. And it was just like this <laughs> remarkable, extraordinary experience. You never wanted to stop. Well, just about when your heart core gets so full, because that's so extraordinary, you open up to the first level of telos. I couldn't see the whatever the top of this was. And I still assumed I'm underground. I can't see the top. And yet, it's lit like daylight. I don't know what the source for the light is, but I remember later going back to consider, did I see any shadows? Well, no, I didn't see any shadows either. He, when we first got in there, he elevated this place to, uh, to us to a place where now you can see, you've seen skinny cityscape videos or pictures. This is what I'm seeing. I can see the entirety of the first level here with what I can see. Everything is crystal formed. In the middle, there's a huge white pyramid with a capstone on the top, which was also white. I noticed a round building over here that would have meaning later. And then you could see, you know, pods of people. There were a couple of people here and three people there. It, the orientation from it was circular made sense that it just kind of emanated out from the middle and it was beautiful he continued to tell me about it and <clears throat> we floated a little closer to the surface and as we were moving to our next destination <clears throat> i was in a place where i could actually see people's faces and i had an opportunity to make eye contact with like five or six people and immediately when I saw them, it was like I knew who these people were and that they knew me. So it, I didn't understand my Lemurian roots then, but they're clear as a bell to me now. I know who I was and, and what I did there. But at the time, I was this was a homecoming I didn't see as such. He took me down to the third level after describing that there's five levels there. The first level is, you know, whatever administration they would have is there. Most of the people live on the first level. Um, they have lots of temples on the first level as well. The second level is some kind of manufacturing, whatever schooling they might have is on that level and some additional housing. The third level was where their hydroponic gardens were. This, I, 
there's no dirt in here at all. Things are not put in soil. Um, they're nourished by some processes by which crystal is infused in the water. And yep. It's an extraordinary thing to see. <clears throat> what I kept thinking while I was there was my comprehension of how many Lemurians are really supposed to be there. And if we believe that when we knew that Lemuria was going to fail, that provisions had been made in Mount Shasta for 200,000, but it sunk at such a rate that 25,000 was my understanding of those that actually made it safely. Then over time, it had been communicated that there were more like 1.2 million that were actually there for as long as they've been there, that we've been totally ignorant about it. It would certainly make sense to me, but I've had a more recent channeling um, from Lemurians back in June, and the number of Lemurians that are on the planet right now are in the neighborhood of 4.5 million. Some are in the incarnation, some are in the next dimension waiting for the shift to take place when we can experience them at the same level. Um, I was always fascinated, and this was allegedly seven acres I was looking at. I wanted to understand in my little human mind, how does this, even if it perpetuated more quickly than normal, how does it feed an entire population? I still couldn't do the math. So especially if the number might have been even just 1.2 million, how do you feed that many people? Well, later the answer would come to me. And it was the realization when we change from this carbon form that needs food, it needs fuel to function. When you're crystalline, you don't do that. <laughs> you get your energy from the sun, from solar. That's who you are. You're a light being. That's where it comes from. And when you do eat, it's for the pleasure of eating. And when you do, there's a way that you transmute that energy so there's no waste. We don't need to worry about where the bathrooms are going to be installed. We process it in a different way. Well, that made much more sense. If you eat for pleasure and not because your body requires it for fuel, okay, now the reason finally kicks in and I can make some sense of this. Um, once we finished on that level, then we came up back up to the first level. And that building that I was telling you about that got my attention on the right-hand side as we came in, it turns out that this circular building is the council chambers. When we got off this platform and stepped off of it, this was a that formed this building into a circular shape. And the entry was about the equivalent of like French doors that weren't there. Immediately etched on either side, I thought were things that I had seen somewhere else. And the first day when I got to Shasta during my trip, it was too late for me to think about hiking. So I thought I'd familiarize myself with shops and whatnot on Main Street. One of those was a place called Blue Star Child Gallery. And in here, this little Japanese girl, Haruko, had done these inspired, magnificent designs. They're 10 feet tall, three feet wide, and perfectly symmetrical without the benefit of rulers or curvature tools. They take months to draw. These are her interpretation of codes that are coming. 
One of these was known as the New Earth Code, and the other one was the New Angelic Blueprint. It's the new human design, or call it the original design. And I had seen these in her shop. She's got a room in the back that has five of these that are profound. When you go back in that room, the hair on your arms, I promise, will be elevated because the energy in there from these codes is just amazing. It's just extraordinary. When I had made a remark to Alex, I said, these look familiar to me. He said, yeah, those are Haruko's codes. They're accurate. That is the new earth, and that is the new angelic blueprint. They etched it into those panels. So we stepped into this <clears throat> chamber. There's a round table in the middle. It's got 13 chairs around. Here's where they meet. But when I went into the room, there's some kind of a pulse that takes place in this space. And it only took place in that space because when I left it, it, it went away. But it something struck you in the hardcore, like the most wonderful hug you've ever received. And that just continued to press into your hardcore the entire time you're in the room. I would suspect that there's not a whole lot of legislation that needs to take place in an environment like that, where everyone understands the law, well, we're all connected to one another. Love is the foundation and unity, compassion. You know, what is there that they need to soften me up with, right? <laughs> it, it was palpable love. I don't know any other way to put it. There's just no human words for what that sensation was like, but if you can figure out what pure love felt like here it was and it stayed with you the whole time you're in and kind of lulled you well as i was taking in this sensation and what i could about the room i can see five more beings making their way in from the other side of the room there were feminine beings um on each side of this one more quite masculine being who is taller than the rest of them, nine feet at least. Everyone in the room was definitely taller than I was. And I recognized by pictures that that was Adama in the middle. His pictures on those books do not do this guy justice, but he was nine feet and change. Well, they had invited me to take a seat at the table and they flanked me on either side. There were three of them over here, three of them over there. Uh, and then each one of them you know, told me who their, what their name was and a little bit about them. Not a lot. Uh, I remember who Adama was because that was pretty simple for me. I knew who Alex was because I had been with him the whole time. But other than that, the only name I remembered was the name of the first woman, Shiama. And the reason I did it was because when the dialogue began, she seemed to chair the meeting. She was about to tell me what I was doing there. First of all, the Lemurians were also under the same impression that around winter solstice, which would have been 2020, that they knew that the shift was imminent. They believed it and that they were preparing for the time <clears throat> when Earth's consciousness rose to the point where they could reintegrate with those of us on the surface. That's what this was about. They want to make it known that they're here. That instead of us looking up in the sky to try and figure out whether that UFO is really a UFO, no, no, no. Look, there have been beings, your beings, that have been here underneath us on the planet for longer than that. The last contacts seem to have been made back in the 40s 
when they did used to come into Shasta and they would trade with gold and it was well known and then they just stopped coming. Well, there's a variety of reasons why I'm pretty sure why it happened in the 40s. And we started to do stupid things with humanity. I think that the real catalyst for intervention, shall we say, because there wasn't any intervention allowed. Humanity was on their own. They're learning these experiments and these lessons that when we finally dropped the bomb in Hiroshima and demonstrated what we could do to the planet, that they weren't going to let that happen again. Until we did have one more mushroom cloud test in Nevada, we just proved once again that we were reckless and we didn't know what we were doing. So that's why when I understand more about when I was born and what I was doing, I'm part of the Blu-rays that came in the early 50s. Oh, yeah, we're going to incarnate on this side. So when the time comes to integrate with the rest of our you know, brothers and sisters... I'm already on the site so that being an emissary will be the easy task for me once I remember who the hell I am. So I understood the circumstances and I was thrilled by it because everything that I had concluded over that amount of time too told me, yeah, the same thing, that this shift was imminent around then. Well, of course, that time has come and gone and people point to the period and they go, nothing happened. And I laugh. It's a process. It sure as hell is happening. And if you understood how much time remains before this trigger really gets pulled, you would start to pay attention to these signs and you focus on keeping your vibration high. What the guides continue to tell me to remind everybody else right now is tend to your own flame. Get yourself right. Keep your vibration high and focus on that. In turn, your light's going to emit and others are going to begin to notice. We can't do this because we think we're going to change people's minds anymore. It's too late for that. But those of us that are aware that's going on and want to understand the process, there are those of us who have been fed more information. Now it's our obligation to pass along. Like I said, I'm not here to change anyone's mind, but I can help you identify the things that help me understand it. And I was the toughest person you'll ever meet for me to believe things. The stuff I put on my website was to prove it to me, not anyone else. And if you were successful doing that, you earned this. Those were hard lessons I learned and hard conclusions to come through. But listen to what I say now. It's the most miraculous, extraordinary things you've ever heard. They're coming from something bigger than me. And it was my turn to help the rest of you get it. Um, they gave me the three reasons why it was me. The first reason was that I demonstrated I can hold fifth dimensional awareness. And I really didn't understand what that meant. It just means that I can see when I saw their civilization and understood what the law of one was, that that's what I want. That's what we've all been promised. When we don't have to listen to all this white noise and war and, and none of that, it's all gone. And whatever we've manifested in our minds for New Earth, man, it's right around the corner. We're all waking up. I still am shocked by the number of people that within the last two or three years, here's the trigger. There must be something common to all of us. Because when I keep asking people, can you tell me when you really had this recognition that you know, something shifted now and your focus is more on the metaphysical side of your life? 
almost always, unless you're Alex Collier or something like that, this two to three year window is what I keep hearing. Now I've been in a really unique position to hear that because people have been reaching out to hear my story. I always want to know more about them. I want to know when did you start yours? There is a commonality there. It's great for me because I'm finding more tribe. When all this crazy stuff happened, all I wanted was a touchstone. Who can help me? You don't find your tribe until much later. And I was out there you know, logging around in the water a lot longer than I'd hoped. But when they, they first started with that, second they said, we know that you're the protector of Gaia. I'd only heard that phrase about me in an ayahuasca journey two years before that date. And then the third was they had asked when the time comes if I would be willing to be an emissary on this side when it was time for them to reintegrate because they've got technologies and wonderful things they wish to share with us. And the exciting thing about humans is that we weren't without merit, that the thing that makes us so extraordinary is our emotion. The Lemurians have gotten past that. They think logically. And so emotions are really part of their equations. But you know what happens when you give a human a task, he wants to do it better. He's going to do it with his emotions, and that's what makes us different. So they're quite excited to see when they reintroduce technologies they can bring to the table, what we do with it with our physicality and our emotion, and watch what a fourth, an upper fourth level and a fifth dimensional human can do. Here is what we've been waiting for eons to actually see. At the end, because at the end, they had just, when they, when they ended with that, I said I'd be honored to do that after I kind of stammered through it and answered. And with that, we were done. They got their answer. They were off. We made our way back to the staging area. So I, I'll finish this here. I had two questions. I wanted to know, one, do I get to come back? <laughs> the answer was, yes, you'll be able to come back before the shift really wasn't defined any more than that. So I'll just take that for now. And the other was, can I tell anybody I was here? They said, we want you to tell other people you're here. We, we want them to know we're here. We've been here all this time. And it's not like we haven't been vibrationally knocking on your door for a while now, but people weren't ready to hear that. Humans weren't built to understand our vibration. They needed translated into things that they can understand. So there's two things that are going to happen here. Um, and then they say, it wasn't like anybody else is going to find their way here. So you can tell whoever you want. You didn't find your way here without an escort. No one else is going to just stumble in. It doesn't happen that way. It wasn't until I really put this into perspective that this was a multidimensional experience. And without me vibrating at the same level, I wouldn't have experienced this either. My point is, we all have it within us to recognize that ability. And when we do, you'll see the colors that I see. You'll hear the things that I hear that are a little beyond your spectrum because your vibration takes you there. When your frequency rises, holy shit. So your senses become so acute that you pick up on things that you didn't before. You just have to quiet yourself there enough to see it and hear it. 
So I will stop here and have some water. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, m m many a questions, obviously. That was a great rant. Thank you so much. Uh, not a rant, sorry. That was a great that was story. Amazing. No, yeah, no, it amazing. is a rant after a while. It's, yes. Um, it, it, I, it flows. One of, the, one of the first questions I have um, is... What and when, uh, or, or did they explain the deluge to you at all? No. Because we, we've talked what about that. What do you that. mean by that? Oh, uh, you know, we, well, looking at like what we understand as Lemuria now, um, or what we conceptualize as Atlantis and Lemuria, that there was a time when there was a golden age and potentially this golden race here on the planet and... Um, there was a transition that we call the deluge and the deluge was some sort of shift that happened. Some people say that the moon being put within our rotation is what split us off from the axis, many different theories. Um, so I was just curious, you know, to see if there was, um, an explanation as to what the deluge was. Um, and then also, I guess I'm also curious as to, you know, how we came to be as these three dimensional, you know, these carbon based, you know, what have you, like how, how did we, um, were we, were we merged, um, on purpose and, you know, like these many different lessons that are, that are here within, <laughs> within our human, within our human time on, on the planet. And am so I do you resonate? The, the I'm sorry, go ahead. Am I referring to that population change that you had mentioned? You said it went from uh, 200,000 down to 25,000 and then climbed back up. Uh, what caused that population loss? Was that from a flood? No, no. That, that um, when uh, Lemuria knew that the sinking was imminent and they were making their preparations, they had made provisions and space for 200,000 within Shasta. But at the end, it happened so rapidly, only 25,000 ever made it there. So were they were sinking like into the ground, underground, from above ground? Into the water. Lemuria went under the Pacific. But it's interesting that you asked those questions about, you know, what it was like then. We want to think, in order for us to understand it, that Lemuria occupied the space between, you know, just this way of Japan and this way from North America. Land masses were entirely different back then. And when Atlantis was Atlantis, the planet was way different. And where those 12 Atlantean colonies weren't in the way that the globe sits now, we want to continue to point to land masses. The land masses weren't like that back then. In fact, during that time, we're also going to experience when the Earth finishes her first her, her next physical function to move into the next um, place. It's likely there's going to be another pole shift. Happens every 700 years, and we are way past due. That is also going to happen. So, of course, land masses are going to shift, and they're going to be in different places like they were back then. So if we really just look at the globe as it is today and try and figure out the things that we wish – we, you can't really project that onto the earth in the form that it's in now. If you, you, we all understand that the Hawaiian islands are the very tips of the mountains that used to be in Lemuria. So if you could see underneath the ocean there, you'd have a great idea what the footprint for a large, large part of Lemuria was. It's just based there underwater.
Now, do you have any time frame of when that happened, when they went underwater? When, how far long ago, when was that? Say it was 300,000 years ago is what I understand. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That lines up with some stuff because, you know, humankind kind of disappeared and then resurfaced around 200,000 years ago. That's right. Well, remember that I think that must now. have been a colony that broke off and, you know, started Atlantis. And they were, you know, different beings back then. Everybody was kind of, when Atlantis was just coming into form, Lemuria was, they were flourishing. They were still seventh dimensional beings and they were androgynous back then. Man, they had found where Earth was first formulated. And I want to go back to, because we had, Roman, I think had started to talk about uh, starseed initiates and you know how we got there well that's a discussion about you know who your soul is and immortal and while we're riding around this bio suit we tend to forget that we're much more than this person and the name we gave ourselves no you've had many incarnations have you not here is the place where our conversations really need to begin because if people don't understand they've had they if they don't believe in incarnations then I can't explain to them they've had past lives, and many of them. Your soul has played a role in much more than this meat suit I'm occupying right now. You have been in Atlantis. You've been in Egypt. You've been in Lemuria. You've also been in Elysium when it was first formed, when the Earth finally took form, and they put a mantle on here to turn it into uh, something more than the interstellar you know, byway station it used to be. When it was determined that they were going to try and see if this was, could be life-sustaining, um, you know, the Earth became something it wasn't ever supposed to be. But Now, Elysium, uh, is that the time of the Hyperboreans? When uh, the decision by the Galactic Federation to build out Earth to make it life-sustaining, the first ones that came were the... Um, um, biologists from the Pleiadians, because they were the master botanists in the galaxy. When they were asked to build out the mantle, those scientists came, and when they finished, this was the beginnings of Elysium. We, you know, want to think of it as the Garden of Eden. It was perfect and beautiful. And when it was done, those scientists wanted to colonize here. So they had petitioned the Galactic Federation to be able to do that, and then they began to introduce in other species. Okay, all the plants and fauna was here, the mantle was in place. Now they began to bring in animals, and they brought in ocean animals. So those that were going to occupy both water and on land, those began to be introduced. This was about the same time, as I understand, that when the Lyrans lost their planet, and they needed to find another place because it became uninhabitable, they first migrated to Sirius, where a lot of people came from that source as well. So the Lyrans were these, you know, 20 plus feet tall master architects, master builders. Now they also asked to colonize here. And when they did, they had this wonderful, you know, awesome canvas to which they started to build these colossus things. And when you really understand that they weren't carving anything out of the rock around here, when you get the ideas about how the pyramids were really built and where all that mass came from, 
that'll be a wake-up call for you all. No one dug that out of earth and put it together and shaped it with rocks and stones. Think sacred geometry and think that those people at those levels can manifest anything they wish, can't they? And in and out of form, can't they? So when they brought this information from uh, this material from other places, it came in light form, light form. So sacred geometry told them exactly where it needed to be. So this square was going to fit exactly where I needed to be. Think of the king's chamber, especially in the Great Pyramid, and how those five layers were. How do you embed that in there? Well, here's how it's done. You get the dimensions from sacred geometry. You fill it in with this light, and then it takes form. Every one of these forms is either turned into granite or basalt. Look at the pyramids and what they're made out of. And in every case, it's been that material. Well, that's what it manifests itself into when that matter turned itself into form. It took a while for that uh, answer to come, but it sure makes, it's reasonable, isn't it? Absolutely, because it's just baffling. It's just so amazing, the megalithic structures we find. It's so hard to find answers on it, but that really provides a lot of light to how they might have come into being. And I've heard that before. Some people no have already intended. come across that information. Yeah. Now, do you have any information about your Atlantean past life? I had a past life as a Lemurian. My name was Lornak. And uh, it was fascinating. I was a giant during that time. I do. Uh, I was a priest back then, but I was part of the, I was part of the bird. I liked uh, underwater, uh, but you shape-shifted. You spent most of your time on land. And I was one of, just like the Lemurian Council, my job was to help elevate people's spirituality. That's what my juice was. That's what I like. But the rest of my time in the realm was I loved living in the underwater realm. Yeah, I had a similar experience myself. And uh, we were definitely amphibious during those times. Yeah. It was, look, when you're that form, and when we get back to six-dimensional light form, you can take form in whatever way you wish. If you want to be amphibian, you can do that. You're light. You decide what that form needs to be. I suspect, though, once you get to that place and you can just be those light beings, like I have pictures of, I don't know that I want to come back and take form because I can I can have fun with hijinks in those forms, right? <laughs> yes. I yeah. like practical jokes. We're going to see what I get to do when I'm a light form. <laughs> when you're in, in that form, you say, Mer, did, did you have, like, is that like a typical mermaid form or is that something totally different than that? Well, you know, I don't know how that translates into, I still think that I was masculine in that realm. So I'm not quite sure if I would have had the same type of tail feature. I don't know, but I'm going to go back and explore that. I was more interested in, you know, who I was and what I was doing back then. Because every time things came up, and well, I have greater clarity about that. Um, it just kept telling me that I had been a priest in these other places and that I was an alchemist. And then I understood transmutation and changing things from the form. I had those capabilities. You're just a human. And yeah, that's still tucked away. And at one point, you're going to be able to restore all that. That's why I like to go back and find out who I was and what powers I had before. Because now when you have awareness of it, this is what you get to ask for. I'm not asking for anything new. Restore what I already know and have. That's what I'm asking for. 
Now, were you under the impression that it was a matriarchal uh, rulership during those times or guidance system? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it should have been. It should have yeah. been. In a perfect world when there was balance between feminine and masculine, feminine was always the connection to source. Those ideas that they got were divine inspiration. And then it was up to the rest of us, you know, patriarchs to carry it out. That's what we did. And when that balance was there perfectly, look at what Elysium was in its early stages. It was perfect. Everybody got along. Everybody loved it. And then, you know, there was negative influence, shall we say, that uh... introduced its way in. And had to teach us different lessons. This is pretty interesting because on Sunday we did a show about uh, the Marian apparitions and ghosts and uh, how they always, these apparitions of Mary always conveyed as female and they are always helping people and uh, telling people what they needed to do to save themselves basically and it's uh, so it's very interesting that it came in a feminine form. So th- that kind of connects into what you just said, too. So that's, uh, yeah, a lot of this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I to... absolutely believe it. We'll, we, have, we have to achieve balance in order to get to the next level. We should embrace it. I do. Really, I, I'm not always the smartest guy in the room. I like to be the hands and feet. So from that perspective, I'm the perfect masculine body for a feminine that's connected to divine. I want to really see what we can do when we get some divine inspiration. And all I have to do is just carry out the plan. What, what, why is, um, uh, it's interesting that the masculine feminine understanding of what we understand it here and now um, is what it is, but on that higher level, that higher echelon, that it still exists. Why do you think that is? And um, if so, is there a point that it does dissipate? That was just part of the divine design. There always had to be balance. And even when I described the androgynous, you know, seventh dimensional Lemurians way back then, they in, embodied that perfect balance. They had a perfect balance of each one of those aspects. And man, that's how you really understand your connection to source. Not when you're unbalanced. That's what made them. That's what made them androgynous in the first place. Was that balance? Exactly. Aspect. Yes. Hmm. That's that's kind of interesting too, especially you know talking about like some sort of awakening happening, you know, um, here now, and then what's happening to a lot of younger people who are starting to feel like they have. You know, they have this unilateral is not the right word, but, you know, this the both sides, they, they're able to, you know, the tra- a lot of trans movements or the fluidity yes. that that is within that. It's almost like that is a part of something that's knocking on the door to say, hey, you know, we're balancing ourselves out. But there's a confusion because of the matrix system that is set up and there's a confusion yeah. because of the society that we live in. So it's, you know, it's slightly on like some circles being, you know, fully trying to understand and and helping people transition through this, but still on that higher level, it's, it's very suppressed and, 
and almost yeah. used for it's almost used for the benefit of type different corporate strongholds, which is yeah. really sad. We've been conditioned that way. And we were conditioned by the people that were conditioned before that. So we shouldn't really be surprised with what we know and what we've been taught. But the metaphysical part of ourselves that has been undernourished, shall we say, is the one that's screaming for attention right now. And when it gets it, then we see with between from our inner beings perspective. Those um, references you were making to more gender fluid people, really, those are the examples. Those are supposed to be the ones we're paying attention to. They're showing balance. Here's where we're going. And yes, it's outside the norm. It's not what we're conditioned by. But here are the last vestiges of masculine energy trying to hang on to power when really, in order for us to get where we want to go, we've got to achieve balance. I want feminine energy to match mine really in a even in a relationship i want an equal oh my god when you find that mirror of yourself that's a powerful thing and when your whole tribe ends up showing up like that every one of us has an individual specific gift would you agree we were all not meant to march like soldiers that know all the same thing and when we do your gift will find its place in the fabric of the universe that was meant to be there. When you're called on to do whatever that task is, it's the easiest thing you've ever done. And to the rest of us, we marvel at it. But that's why when we're all together and doing our individual unique gift things, man, now we're a force to be reckoned with. Here's where humanity can really step up, but we've got to get past the things that have locked us into place for so long. And, you know, I, on behalf of my gender, we kind of screwed things up. I have a, a couple of questions, actually. One, I'll, I'll start with a short one. When you talk about Adama, what was his physical features? What did he look like? What was Did he wear clothes? What clothes was he wearing? How did yeah, he they, present himself? They were all kind of wearing... I don't want to call them tunics because they were a little more substantial than that. But everyone was in white that day, except uh, Alex had these colored ribbons. I didn't know when I saw him if that was some kind of Lemurian bling that you wear or it was indicative of some uh, rank that you might have held. I didn't know. Adama had a purple sash on that was different than everybody else. But everyone else wore white. Now, I learned later why. I had met a woman named Diane Robbins who lives in Shasta and she's written three books over 40 years. She's been channeling Adama and documenting it. She was gracious enough to spend some time with me, invited to her, to her home. I've been with her both three different times. And after the first time I visited and she saw that people were kind of coming my way and she had some other information, there was a piece of information she shared with me. She had never put in any of her books, but it was fascinating when she shared it. That capstone that I had described that was on the top of the pyramid, when I saw it, it was Sunday when I was there. Sunday, the capstone was white. Well, there's a reason for that. The day of the week um, determines the color of the capstone. When I was there, it was white, and so the population wears white. 
had I been there on Saturday, it would have been purple. And the, the population would have been wearing purple. Had it been Wednesday, it would have been green or emerald, and the population would have been wearing green. I found it pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'm a mailman, and we have color codes for different mail that's supposed to go out that day. I don't know if this has any connection, but Monday's blue, Tuesday's orange, Wednesday's green. Thursday's yellow, Friday's red. I forget what Saturday is. There's sense and reason to that, isn't there? (laughs) Think about where where we're going next. We communicate telekinetically, first of all. You and I are having this conversation without words. Won't be English, Italian, German. It won't be that. But the other common components to communication are going to be your vibration first. You feel how somebody talks, but color, symbols, and sounds. You just described that very thing. I saw red. I knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. I saw red. I knew what that meant. That's where we're going back to. That's why symbols and codes that we're seeing are being reintroduced to us instead of you know all this language. Even Lemurians, the last time we spoke, are insistent that it's time that all of humanity understands their vibration. So there are those that are now being moved to understand it as well. So those will be the people that will help others understand it first. They'll be the interpreters, but they're not meant to be the interpreters. They're meant so so that the next people that need to understand need to come to them. No, 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 no. You activate the next people who then activate the others. Not everyone's going to be translators, but those that know that they're called to do that are then going to go out there and geometrically, here's how it happens. So this person affects that circle and that circle affects their individual circles. So now can you see how rapidly this information is going to be you know, parsed out to everyone. It's not that Lowell had a really cool experience and everyone's got to go see him in a room. It's not like that. I was the one who got to do it first. And so I understand the mechanics. Now it's my job for the rest of you that vibrate that way. I'm not out petitioning. Hey, here's what I can help you do. No, no. The use of those of you that know it, know that I'm a resource for you now. And I'm going to help you walk you through the rest of the process because you're ready for it. I'm not here looking for new candidates and new initiates. You guys are already here and you know what needs to be done. The clock is ticking and it's important that we get this done quickly. Because you, again, will be activating others. So uh, you you touched on something when you were talking about what they're wearing, uh, that the sash and the different colors. Um, On Sunday when we were talking about these Marian apparitions, we talked about uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and uh, it said that she wore a brown scapular. And th- it, this is kind of seems like maybe the sash, and there's different colored scapulars. And um, that kind of connects into what my next question was also, was that, you know, in the biblical stuff, it seems like Jesus had a sash or some of these other people had a sash going on. Is there any connection to these biblical times and maybe an awakening that was happening at that time where they were trying to come out, but maybe didn't quite happen or did happen? 
You know, I I don't know the answer to that. Um, okay. But I I'm compelled to address Jesus, and I love Jesus, but I see, and I've been, I grew up in the church. My grandparents wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to make up my own mind along the way. I did the same thing for my son. Didn't I didn't take you there because I think you need to be there. Here's your opportunity to experience for yourself so you can decide what you want. And to me, I have a clear understanding Jesus is an ascended master. He came in the way that it was fashioned in the book. And again, each one of those books was mindfully written by a guy. And each one had to come from his perspective. So I just say, read it with discernment. It's not that there aren't nuggets of wisdom and truth in there, but you know that whoever wrote this had their own agenda and they wanted you to understand it from that perspective. Having said that, Jesus is evolving with the rest of us. And if you really listen to what his message was, what did he say? God is within us. Hello. He understood dimensionality. He understood those things and tried to tell it to people in ways that back then, you know, no one could really comprehend it other than him, but he was trying to set the mark. He is still doing that from his perspective now. And somebody asked, would he be returning? Well, no, he's not going to drop his vibration to come to this density ever again, but he is still there as an, as an advisor. And he is evolving with the rest of us, just like everybody else. He's always been that resource. He's been trying to hit us over the two, the head with a two by four, if you're really, and just say, look, what I was telling you, you can experience that I experienced. You have it within you to do the same thing. Does it sound like what I'm saying here today? It's the same thing. Yeah, that's what I was alluding to that. Was, was he some type of spiritual teacher that was coming to try to raise the vibrational consciousness at that time yes yes yeah some people believe that jesus was a high priest of the melchizedek order but it said that his parents were essenes and followed eclectic mysticism which has not really been taught by the church anymore it's kind of been lost but through the gnostic movement which yeah. is the teachings of jesus and accessing the divine within uh we hear mentions of the essenes and their teachings um, some people believe that we can access Christ consciousness through the sacred oil, which they, I think, are referring to as the DMT, which we can access in meditation. And they say that we've forgotten to listen to the deep voice uh, in, in the silence, the inner voice in the deep silence. Well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Um, let me just give you this perspective. I agree with... Um, plant medicines that can put you in touch with spirit absolutely positively. Um, they're effective and they were, depending on what your intent is to get out of it, they have been successful. That was what I got out of ayahuasca journeys. But the description you gave before, in my mind, it's just, it's our 3D way of, you know, identifying things when we label the Essenes and you know all of the, the ceremonies that we do because we think as 3d humans we have to take these steps and everybody has to take these steps it's our journeys are all different our lessons are all different we're going to get it in different ways and so when we look at things that were put into part of our you know religious experiences 
that I feel like we kind of get ourselves boxed in to live up to those descriptions. And then what really pisses me off is when somebody gives me this box and says, that's who I am. And then they say, you don't fit in your box. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> that's kind of silly. Yeah. I think it's important that there's different aspects of the teachings of Christ because we all have a different role to play in following those teachings. And we have different ways to manifest uh, the offerings that have been guided to us through his teachings that have been passed down through the ages. Um, you know, I know, I've been more approaching towards the mystical paths of Christianity, whereas not everyone is going to go towards that path. And so it's good that we all have different approaches. You know, we're on different levels of ascension, all moving our way up gradually. That's absolutely true. I, I agree with you 100%. If people were to look at the spiritual side, religion is responsible for... <laughs> Uh, illuminating and locking that down all at the same time. Yes, there's something spiritual that you're connected to, but here's the here are the limitations to it. Yeah, we weren't designed to have limitations. We all know that that was just a control mechanism. But by God, we're all sovereign beings with free will. And if I expect to have others respect that within me, I have to do that for them as well. In that next realm where you ask about law one, that's kind of, the, we, we know that without thinking about it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very yeah. basic. I find that the, uh, the seven ascended masters, uh, it kind of applies to the law of one in that they, they really fit towards the chakral energies, which refer to the seven densities, uh, which, which I sometimes refer as the dimensities because sometimes now we're calling it the, the dimensions. But I feel like um, it could be an integration of both of the schools of thoughts of the seven dimensions and the seven densities. But I see that the colors that they refer to are not in line with the ascension of the chakra energies. Uh, when they mention the ascended masters, it goes from blue, yellow, pink, white, green, purple, and violet. They tend to skip over orange and exchange white instead, which I see white as kind of an integration of all the different energies. I agree. That's Reiki. right. I agree with that. Yes. Um, you know, it's another way for people to kind of label it into a, a method of understanding. Mm -hmm. Don't let that get in the way. You already have a really wonderful comprehension of it. Um, I would tend to go with what your intuition's telling you is true. Then rather worrying about whether I'm kind of following what this guy has so that I align with what he's saying, then I know I got it. And you already know that. Yeah. There are two things my guides have told me to remind every one of you along the way. First is tend to your own flame right now. It's important for you to get yourself situated so that you're ready to receive. And the little capacitor you are, you know, giving and exchanging energy is what you need to know. Secondly, Stop quoting all these people and all the names you thought were important of all these people that taught you things. You read their books. You saw their movies. Screw that. Here's why. Because you have learned everything you needed to learn from them. You did. You don't need to quote Dolores Cannon or anybody else or Cryon or whoever it is. They may have helped you along your journey. You are a master. And if any time 
for you to realize that and step into it right now in your power, now is the time the universe needs you to understand whatever it is that you master better than anybody else. You are a master now. Let that sink in because a lot of people go, I have mastered the damn thing. Yes, you have. You just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I found that I, I'm an indigo spirit that's come from the uh, from from the future, uh, according to the law of one, is what they say. But I really I really resonate with that understanding. Uh, who, the indigo supposedly started to come around in the early 80s. And uh, I kind of wonder, from what you mentioned earlier, if my parents were some of the Blu-rays that started to come in in the early 50s. They were born in 1952. So that resonates. Of course resonates they were. Well. well, you tell me whether they resonated. Now, keep this in mind. <laughs> When we choose our incarnations, we get to choose the circumstances, right? We decide what lessons we're going to sign up for. Here's our soul contract. But we also get to define all of the other aspects. That means that our children chose us. Let that sink in a little bit and then see your kids from that dimension because they're also sovereign beings who made up their own minds and they're on their own journeys and their own lessons Really, all we can do is, I mean, it's hard for 3D parents who are physical to let our kids go. But the best thing we can do is just send them love and allow them because, again, their lessons are going to contribute to the collective as well. And it's not up to me to decide what their lessons were going to be. They signed up for their own. Absolutely. I have a few more questions. Uh, some of the stuff I was wondering about is... Um, uh, my mother and I have both seen UFOs. Um, did any of the ascended masters uh, have an elongated skull from your from your experience? No, not the ascended masters I saw, but there are beings that do. Um, yeah, yeah. The last time she's begun to embody different things that she's channeling, and the last time. She said that she felt herself, whatever being was channeling, she said, I felt like I had a long head and I was very tall. And wow. Cindy's like five foot three. And so yeah, this tiny. was something to behold, right? Wow. Yeah. We're going to see beings that we don't really comprehend. And God bless there's a certain amount of things that we all hold back. We know, cause if we told people everything that we knew and saw, it will fucking flip them all out. It's not going to really benefit anybody when they just, they lose it. So I'm not quite sure how you tamp down the fear factor. So that's not the first thing, but when we've shown them movies of little green men and that every time we think of an alien, it's associated in the same sentence with the word attack that's not an easy place to take people when my experience with everyone has been benevolent and they're here to assist. How do we get that thought pattern in people's head more predominantly than worrying about, you know, this invasion? And then maybe we can talk about what the ascension process is. Is it going to be catastrophic for some places on earth? Yes, it will. But with the proper preparation, you won't be in those zones when the phenomena takes place. It's not like a solar flash is going to burn the earth and we're all toast. That's not what happens. 
we move into another dimension where the sunlight and that, yeah, that doesn't affect anybody anymore. We're no longer that physical being. But these are advanced ideas to have with even us when we kind of get it. Imagine the totally uninitiated and trying to prepare them in the amount of time that's left. And I don't know that there's time to do it for everyone. And well, that's part of the cycle. For it. Um, I yes. write about that in my blog that these the various races of the uh, the divine beings are are, are missing links. Um, the ones who have come here to guide us, uh, they are benevolent, and uh, they may have been demonized by some of our government or organized religion. But if you look at what you mentioned earlier, the message from the early '40s or even sooner from Admiral Byrd, which he was sent back to the White House to communicate the importance of staying away from using nuclear weapons. Um, and that message was was just shot down by our government and kind of lost. But his testimony of going into the inner earth down in Antarctica kind of strikes me as very similar to your own. Yeah, um, especially... it's very much so. Yeah, there was a guy on the panel, Brad Olson, who mm -hmm. went there when he was a young man. He made it his mission to go find out what he could about Antarctica. And he saw that whatever this huge hole is that Admiral Byrd could fly an airplane into, turn around inside of it, and then come back out, that had to be one massive hole. And whatever that cavity was, yeah, there, it's not all ice and snow there. There are dimensional portals that are there, too. And that's what I suspect is happening there. But even, even non-multidimensionality, um, there have been those bases there for a while with areas that I've been told there's greenery and lush you know, earth underneath all of that that's just been disguised by all this stuff that's below zero and appears to be nothing but ice. It's not that. Remember when we were talking about land masses? Antarctica was a was a connected to Australia and parts of Africa way back. And when the masses shifted, she kind of moved where she was. But she was already part of the, the grid that had been connected. Think about us. Originally, Earth had 12 crystal pyramids that were placed here strategically to set in place this grid. And the grid was then built around that. So think about yourself, little human being. You are no really different than this Earth star because you also have 12 chakras that line up in the same way. And when they're all in alignment, everything fires. Well, those crystal pyramids, that have some have been inactive for a while. Part of the process we're going through with all this energy coming from the sun is to realign those things. So when the day that Earth's consciousness rises, her infrastructure has been all placed back into operation. When the Lemurians first connected all that, and it was a seventh-dimensional grid, um, here is where it, when it, it, Atlantis had to take that over, they had to rebuild it. They had already shot themselves in a the foot trying to achieve seventh dimension hell, seventh dimensional awareness when they eliminated the Lemurian resource for that. What was left 
was they didn't have the understanding nor the tools to repair a seventh dimensional grid. So they had to build a new one that was fifth dimensional. When we restore the earth to where we're going again, that original grid is intact. And what it carries, not just within the earth, but the portals everywhere else, here is where we're really going to be able to take advantage of interstellar travel easily because those portals have been realigned and re restored, reactivated. All of that's taking was, place uh, while this is going on. Was that? Lumerian source, the red crystals? I don't know. Um, it's something I want to ask more detail about because I like those kind of details. Uh, when I get more information, I will certainly let you know. Because I've been hearing a lot about the red crystals and uh, we interviewed Sarah Bressman Cosme, who's a, uh, she does um, past life regressions on people and uh, the person that she talked to was a uh, Lumerian, and she said that Atlanteans come to take those red crystals from the Lumerians because they were a high source of power, and that that's what they needed to use to uh, do whatever they wanted, whatever they're trying to do. I don't, I'm not sure. The High Temple in Atlantis was said to have had a metal ore that was orangey red called orichalcum which they finally discovered off the coast of Spain in 2010, the, uh, the legendary Atlantean ore. That may be what they're referring to, although uh, metals and minerals are a bit different than crystals, possibly. I don't know if there might be more to it. Yeah, um, metal alloys, you know, it's interesting. You would think that you would hear more about that, and you don't, because once you introduce crystal energy and light energy, Metal is just a different mass that need to be created and maintained. I know that it, I chuckle when people that are trying to make sense of UFOs, that they still think that these are metal in some fashion. They don't understand light energy and light bodies. And so you really can't understand that yet. In order to reason to make sense of any kind of metal, as light as you're going to make it, it still requires some propulsion, right? And in our world, we always see jets or helicopters or something is pushing it forward. When you've seen the real light craft, they don't move like that, do they? They go like yeah. this and this and this and, this, and any way they wish. I'm not sure how they're propulsed, but it's not like what we're used to. It's we're not at a capacity where we can understand that yet. But when I say yet, I underscore that because we do know how it works. It just hasn't been brought back into our wherewithal yet. Yeah, some people are more aware of it than others. They've been working at it. Bob Lazar is a prominent whistleblower that's been talking about how they create a gravitational depression in the atmosphere and ride along it. Although they've yeah. been He's been informed that it's it's created by an element 131, if I'm not mistaken, in the island of stability state. Although my research shows that that's not likely. Although, I mean, I'm not sure that is certainly possible. But I've also heard that it could be just simply copper magnetics infused in crystal. And so well, I tend to go towards more of the crystal and away from the uh, radioactive chemicals. I, I'm on the same page you are. You know, we still want to, in our human minds, come up with ways that make sense to us. Um, 
there's just I think when you get to the next level and your ability to manifest what you need is at your disposal and your ability to change matter from this form it's just energy it never goes away it just changes form so you can make it whatever you wish and the more creative you have you know the more the more purposes here's where humanity is going to figure out the next level of everything lemurians were happy with things how it worked it's amazing um but we're going to take things to the next level here's what they're hoping humanity was going to do all along i have a friend that i met in shasta and he's an excellent example of this very thing when day was younger school was not his thing mathematics was tough didn't care about it didn't want it but he certainly was interested in phenomenon in space it's what he really enjoyed well he had an encounter and was taken aboard a ship um by a being called KJ while he was there he was able to take pictures out of the craft and has these pictures to show that wasn't the important part it was just a side effect what they did is they gave Dave some downloads so that he understands physics to a degree that makes him a phd he now hangs out with people at spacex and nasa and shares fourth dimensional perspectives with them where they understand the mathematics of it but they've never seen anything like this before dave is working on because of this information that they've downloaded to him working on astro cartography that's his rate right now so he's trying to map out these um call it a, a, a astral gps system so now when we travel in the future you won't be traveling through planets because he's already been able to plot the courses from here to there by using these formulas he's been given and he blows these people away i guess there's a an organization of the top 500 physicists in the world dave is among their ranks now here was a guy 5 years ago didn't know anything about it didn't care about it didn't want to know about it but he was thrilled by space and all of a sudden he's had not just encounters with higher beings ultra terrestrials if you want to think about it that way but there was a purpose he was going to play and they gave him information that was meant for him to assist us what yeah it i just am fascinated every time i hear that somebody that didn't have anywhere with all of any of this all of a sudden was given gifts from higher beings or your inner self and all of a sudden you've just kicked into another gear that's just profound this is not stuff human beings come up with and yet look at the tools that are put back in our disposal it's about time yeah Well um I think we should probably start wrapping up here. Uh did you have any uh final questions Indy and Roman? I have one one more question that I wanted to get in. Um if you guys had one more or not, then I'll just go. I have I have one more. Uh yeah, is there uh any connection with Lemuria to Agartha? I know that there's been a lot of talk about Agartha uh recently that's come up. uh from Blavatsky and from Sanyev from France uh some of their accounts and testimonies are being brought to Agartha uh an inner earth society over 
in India and the Himalayas. Well, Agartha, as I understand it, isn't so much, a, it's not a civilization. I understand that is that's just another label for all of Middle Earth. Yeah. And the Lemurians happened to occupy Telos. That's their city within Agartha. Um, they had to ask permission to go there. So it's not, don't think of it so much as the a Lemurian landmass. Telos is the city that they reside in. It's part of the Agartha network. And there are other entryways and other cities represented uh, underneath, you know, in Tibet. There's another location for it as well. And there's another city there under the Himalayas, um, similar to Telos, just in a different place on the planet. Inner Earth has been intact throughout all of this. It has not lost its seventh dimensional aspect at all. Mm. Everything that's always gone on there continues to go on while we're figuring it out here on the surface or until the planet's surface rises to the next level of consciousness. It's always wow. been here in Earth waiting for us to catch up with it. Now, I just have one final question. And it's kind of a quick one. I know the uh, the Dogons mentioned that the Nomos uh, were androgynous and claimed to have come here from Sirius, bringing dolphins and cannabis. Um, but uh, maybe they were the Lyrians that you mentioned earlier. Um, is it possible that that these beings that claim to identify with different star systems may have, since they lived at sea for a long time, used to used to navigate by the stars? and may have mapped geolocations here on Earth from their origins with star system names and actually come from the Earth, or were they really from the stars? What do stars, you think absolutely. We just, Earth, before it became Earth, was one of these buy stations. It was just convenient, and whatever materials were here were um, enough for these whatever ships mother ships were passing from this part of the planet to another's here's was a good place for them to you know refresh and whatever energy exchange needed to take place when was it marduk that was between mars and jupiter or Nupur or whatever it was that was meant to be the long time source for um all of the wisdom in the, the universe that's where it was going to be contained earth and the sun disk that we hold in the middle of us now we're part of the seventh galaxy of the seventh master sun and the seventh master sun is the sun of illumination all cosmic wisdom comes from that source and we hold that sun disk within us so that archive of cosmic information the galactic akash, if you will, was supposed to be somewhere else. And when that was destroyed, Earth became the new depository for that. Thank you. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I almost don't even want to ask this stupid question now. <laughs> no, there are no stupid questions. But so there's a lot of um the a lot of mount shasta national parks people go missing bigfoot a lot of bigfoot talk bigfoot usually lives within the mountain or something is bigfoot an interdimensional being from agartha or is he a physical 
creature, a descendant of man? He, um, I don't know about bloodlines, and I don't really pay too much time, attention to that. And here's why I say that. Bloodlines, to me, associate themselves with a carbon body. Well, our mm-hmm. souls don't ride in that for much longer. I'm not, I don't have blood in a crystalline body, so I'm not quite sure that bloodlines mean anything. We're all connected. All of us are connected at the next level, not just our parents and our ancestors, everyone. And when we start to see things from that perspective, it's a little bit easier. But again, we've been conditioned by understanding what human lives are. And the majority of your friends and colleagues still are under the impression that it takes mom and dad to produce this baby and this baby grows and then it has a life. And when they're done, they're done. No, no, no. These are incarnations we chose and we picked these roles and we came in and that was really our soul decided to ride in that bio suit when he was here. I chose the circumstance for myself. I know what I was getting into, but when it's all over, I'm going to reincarnate again. And hopefully I'm ascending to go to the next level. The beauty about where we are right now and whether people get it or not is Earth is going regardless of whether we do or not. I hope Mm -hmm. that you have enough of a level of understanding now to understand what choices you have, because we're back to where you actually get to be a sovereign being. You get to take your power back and decide what you want to do next. You want to play this game and do this three-dimensional shit all over again? There's a certain appeal to it. Because the physicality of Earth was pretty magnificent in places, but there was also a shitty side that you had to learn with to appreciate the contrast. Where we're going, there's no more of that contrast we have to learn anymore. And if there is, we recognize it, but we move beyond it. And we take the gifts that all of us have collectively, and we come up with a solution for it. Nobody's pointing across the island, the problem was yours. We're all coming up collectively with a solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Bigfoot's an interdimensional being from MacArthur? He is an interdimensional being. I heard him, um, and I had to have it pointed out by somebody who is indigenous, and his family's lived on the mountain for generations. We were coming out of a session with the Crystal Skulls, as a matter of fact, and I thought I heard a sound like a branch that had broken off a tree and then was making its way down. So, you know, he heard this bang, bang, bang. Well, I was in this semi-meditative state. And when I heard this going on around me, I thought, well, that's a branch. And when it didn't stop after the first two or three, I heard like a succession. And at the end of it, I thought I counted somewhere eight or nine times that I had heard this sound. Well, when we were all done, we came back out and Matthew, this guy I'm referring to, said, yeah, that was Bigfoot, indicating his approval for what was going on here. And when they do that, they strike a tree eight times. That's what you were hearing. Yes, they're around. And when they want to be uh, um, known, they make themselves known to the people. But again, you need to be vibrating at a higher rate than this 3D things. If people have seen them, that it, to me indicates that you have the capability to see them because you did. That wasn't you know a blur that you saw. That actually happened. I've heard um, that they are some of the protectors of the various gates 
Uh, there's yes. actually a really interesting story from the Inuits that say they are the Hashtaka, also known as the Otter People, um, in an area that's known as the Alaskan Bermuda Triangle, and they take the chosen ones to the sanctuary under the ground. That's an mm -hmm. ancient legend that persists today amongst the Inuits and might bring some light quite, to this. Quite benevolent and wise beyond their years. You know, they, they're here to assist us too if we can get past the ideas that there are these big hairy things that should be scary. <laughs> they, they really, that's their form, yes, that's the choice that they made, but that's not who those beings are. Yeah, I've heard that they may make some some scary sounds sometimes, but they, they're harmless. I know a lot of people that have seen them firsthand, and they're kind of yeah. astounded by how fast they can move a lot of times, but I've never heard of anyone being attacked by them. That's not their nature. They're benevolent. No. They really, they want to assist, but when we're as squirrely as they are, they just assume just leave us alone for the same reason why the Lemurians stopped coming into Mount Shasta. Look, when... When humanity was just starting to go off the rails, there's no reason for them to come in anymore. So they stopped contact back in the 40s. And now when we examine what had been happening on the planet, it makes total reason to me why they just stopped making contact. We did not learn our lessons very well. And really, the way that we were going, well, we were bound for the same result that Atlantis went through before. So, so with like the missing people in the national parks, do you think that maybe they're just going down uh, to these places? And because uh, a lot of times they pop back up in other places, like almost like they went through a portal of some sort. Like maybe they were transported down uh, into whatever you want to call it, Agartha, Lemuria, Telos, whatever place that is. Uh, is that maybe what's happening to them that they they are vibrating at that frequency and are, are able to enter yeah. through the gates? The answer to that is yes. And it's funny that you say that. Uh, you know, when I considered it from my perspective and when I characterize when I get to go into that other dimension, it's just so hard to come back here that you know, I wish I didn't have to. You got to wonder that people that can go there and have disappeared because somebody was doing, there was a producer to reach out to me and they wanted to do this program on you know, missing people in Shasta. And they wanted to hear my perspective. Well, when I heard that, that I'm not interested in sensationalizing what happened to me for you know this kind of thing on TV. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you got to wonder that if they, somebody that had that ability, and of course I'm not the only one. There are people that have had these dimensional experiences over time you wonder whether they just didn't want to come back or maybe they mm -hmm. did. And then they came back later. They would certainly have the ability to do that. That was my conclusion that these people probably got there and they didn't wish to come back. Their souls were happy wherever they ended up. And it wasn't like you're not ever going to see them again. Cause as soon as you get back to your next incarnation, here they are again, they just beat us mm -hmm. to the punch and we're smart enough not to come back. I certainly hope that's the case with a lot of these Alaskan Native American women that have been going disappearing. I think it is. I think so, too. Yeah. They're usually pretty feisty women. I don't think they would be very good to abduct for any other reason. I think they would have you know, wanted when to When you hear about real independent people that way, you've got to know they knew how to take care of themselves, and they're still oh, yeah. doing it today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, Roman, anything, uh, any final questions from you? 
Brother you know, Matt? I did. I did have one final question, um, and it is completely a side railing, and it goes way back to earlier to your uh, your 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 pre life um, as a hotel manager and and someone in in that. Um, what is the deal with room number two one three? I don't have an answer for that. Okay. What is the deal with room number two one three? Can you? Yeah. What is? That? Well, in 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 the states, they don't have uh, most hotels don't have a room two thirteen because it's like bad luck. There's a lot of yeah, like anything in there. There had been history, but that stopped after a while. Anything that had the number thirteen in it, yeah, that was a thing for a while. But I think over time. I know I worked on other hotel projects and all we had 13 numbered rooms back then. I think it was more, um, yeah. Superstition. Superstitious. Yes. That's yeah. the word. I, I think it was also, more then. They also don't have a level 13 on a lot of hotels. Yeah, yeah exactly. For the same reason, no 13th yeah. floor either. In any case, it skips right from 12 to 14 in the elevator. Yes. <laughs> Man, well, wow, wow, Roman, with all the great questions you could ask, you sure <laughs> I, I just I thought <laughs> it'd be a fun. Well, Roman, I'll tell question. you what, I don't want this to be the last one that you spent that on, so uh, we're we'll be doing this again. There's, I yes. can tell that I cracked the door open with lots of things, and when you're done and you assimilate this. There'll be another list of questions. So we'll yes. do this again. It's take me some while awesome. to process. I yes. love that. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, this was amazing, Lowell. Thank you so much. Uh, and again, <laughs> tell the people where they can find your work at and how uh, to get in contact with you. If you have any other conferences coming up where they can come see you, uh, plug away. There will be soon. I'm not quite sure where these next conferences are because it's kind of the end of the year for that. And uh, the one that I normally attend in Shasta, and I'll be going back to Shasta a couple times next year. Uh, I think I'm going to be out of the country because I've been invited to go somewhere else during that time in July or June. I'll find out after that. Uh, the easiest way to find me, if you type lowelljohnson.info, it'll take you right to my website now. To try and explain 40k FTV, it's got to be too much. So I got another domain and I just pointed at the website. So if people just type in my name, dot info at the end, you will get there. And that's the easiest way. All right, man. Awesome, awesome. Excellent. What a pleasure. And for me too, really. I always get something out of the exchanges too. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you. This yes. Was, uh, Thank you so much. Mind blowing to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a plug. Um, it actually lines up and uh, is very consistent with everything we spoke about here and Bull's testimony uh, over at my blog at vibetribescribe.wordpress.com. It's all about the, the paradigm shift and any guidance that you might seek for uh, self mastery. I am a self mastery coach. Good. We need Excellent. you. Thanks, Indy. Yeah, thank you, guys. Glad to thank be here for the for listening. Yeah. And if you're not done with that, wake, wake up. up. <laughs>